Raymond, you're on the air with Stephen King. Um, listen, one of my favorite movies of all time is It. Um, Tim Curry plays one of the best clowns I've, I've ever seen. I can tell you that that miniseries of It on ABC back in the day, it really screwed up a lot of kids. You'd be surprised how many young adults come up to me and say, I've been afraid of clowns ever since I've seen Curry in It. And he was a really scary clown, but you know, clowns are really creepy anyway. All right, let's go to Mark on line 10. Mark, you're on the air with Stephen King. My question to you, sir, is how did you come up with your pen name, Richard Bachman? <laughs> well, I had a different pen name. I was going to call the, the, the first book that was under the pen name after my grandfather. His name was Guy Pillsbury. So I was going to call it that. And it turned out that I got a call from the editor saying, we got about 10 minutes. That name came out. Can you give me a different name? So uh, there was a Richard Shaw book on my desk, and Bachman Turner Overdrive was playing on the radio. Um, the have f- exploded, Stephen. Let's go. S- oh, God, don't get any of them on you. Oh, we're trying. We're trying to duck. Now, Stephen, with all of the horrifying things that you've written about, the stories you've told, and the images, the horrifying images you've come up with, does your wife sleep with one eye open? Mm, no, I do. I got a little frog in my throat. Here we go. Welcome to Geek Bites, the part scheme of po- ba- my balls. Welcome the to po- my balls. Welcome to my balls, the Ponzi scheme of ball casting. I'm Damon Shaw. Ball casting? Yeah, why the fuck <laughs> not? With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about tonight? Well, apparently we're fighting about balls. Um, but uh, when we're done with that, as uh, as our listeners, our longtime listeners may know, uh, this is October. And all October, we do our horror-themed episodes. And for tonight, we've got uh, one of the, the, the great uh, horror luminaries. We've got the best of Stephen King. So uh, who's joining us tonight? Uh, well, before I say that, uh, before I do that, uh, are you recording, Mike? I, I, I always forget Yes, to yes, ask. I am recording. Uh, okay, okay, because I'm pretty sure I'm recording, too. Uh we have several people with us. One new person, one person who was just on two weeks ago. As a matter of fact, he's on the episode that you can listen to this week right now while we're recording this. Uh, it is Josh Perigo. Damon, this is my second Geek Fights. I am now the second most famous person from Maine behind Stephen King. Uh, on Geek Fights, you're the third because Melvin Ladera is also from Maine. Oh, he is? Yeah. He, he's from that area. No, so, from, okay. Oh, slap! Sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, I like balls. How about that? We should that do uh, Best of Maine. No, there's no such thing. Um, Michael Felcher. Ball casting? <laughs> Mr. Paul Kowalski. Hey, everybody. And first time on the show, uh, I think he was created by Stan Lee. Uh, it's Lance Langford. Hello. Uh, so, how do the fights work, Mike? Well, uh, each of our panelists chooses six of their favorite Stephen King-related things. Uh, anything all, at all they want, as long as it's Stephen King-related. We throw in two more chosen by Geek Fight staff to bring it up to 32. We randomly match them up and drop them into tournament-style brackets, which you can download from our website at geekfights.net. Uh, they each cast their vote because I'm not actually going to be voting in this one. Uh, you'll give your reasons. The winner will move on to the next round. This continues until something is crowned the best 
guest of Stephen King. Uh, as always, there are no wrong answers on Geek Fights, only wrong people, so you can use any rationale you want. It can be clever and well thought out, crazy and random, anything in between. That's what we call Geek Logic. And good Geek Logic has been known to sway votes, so choose your argument wisely. You can find me on the Week in Geek video show on YouTube, where we preview the new comics every week. Uh, wait, and are you doing that us- right now? Right now, because you, you you're going to fall asleep. Well, I figure the there's a chance uh, since I fell asleep last week. I'll just do the outro now, and then we can how cut it all together. The, how about we do the episode and then worry about that later? All right, fine. fucker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we Good go. Good night, everybody. Yep. There's a, there's a chance you cocksuckers may not hold my interest. So can I do all my shit now so I can go to sleep? Yeah, well, that that's basically what Mike just said. Here we go. Josh, starting off with you. This one is yours because you do live in Maine. It is the Shining Novel versus Intro, intro to Batman 400. Uh, I nominated the uh, Intro to Batman 400. I didn't know about that. Um, somebody told me about it. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people believe that Stephen King actually wrote The Shining in Colorado, which he actually physically, I think, wrote it in Colorado. But I think the actual idea came while he was in Agunquit, Maine, which is a couple towns over from where I grew up. Um, and I know The Shining is going to move on, but I like Batman, and so does Stephen King. So that kind of makes us soul brothers. So Batman 400. A vote for the intro to Batman 400. Yeah, you can actually find it on the internet. Uh, it's a very loving uh, lavishment of Batman. I love Batman. Batman's better than Superman. Blah, 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 blah. Shining's awesome. So I'm going to go with the Shining. Michael? Seriously, isn't there any goddamn fight we do where Batman, Superman, <laughs> or some comic book fucker doesn't show up in here somehow? I mean, goddamn enough already. I mean, yeah, I did an intro to Batman. I don't care. I'm sick of these assholes. Uh, enough already. This is the best of Stephen King. Some intro to a goddamn Batman has no place on this list. Please, The Shining, move on. Uh, vote for The Shining. Paul. <laughs> That that was that was compelling in its in its uh, vehemence and rage, Michael. I like that. Um, but Batman Four Hundred is the first comic book I ever bought, so I think I'm going to have to make this interesting and tie it up uh, for uh, Intro to Batman Four Hundred. Uh, it's all tied up. It comes down to you, Lance. Which one takes the win? Well, actually, for me, this one is fairly easy um, because except for the uh, Encyclopedia Brown and certain uh, young readers books that I was reading when I was really young, uh, the first full novel I actually read was actually The Shining. And that was followed up by the uh, novelization of Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, so obviously, The Shining has a place you know near and dear to me. Um, I did have Batman number 400. I think that was the one with the really bizarre uh, Sienkiewicz artwork, if I remember correctly. I think it was uh, Arkham Asylum tie-in, if I remember. But I, I remember, let's put it this way, I remember Batman 400, the story, but I don't really remember the intro. So for me, it's an easy vote. A vote for The Shining, and The Shining moves on. We are on to our next fight. It is The Jaunt, which is a short story, versus Andre, what is this? I have to move it. Lingo, Linog? Is that how you say it? Linoge. Linoge. Sorry. (laughs) Pardon me, motherfuckers. Uh, I'm still going to vote for the jaunt because Stephen King is badass at writing short stories. Most of the things that you, you, you know that know him for outside of his big horror novels 
are just short stories that got expanded into quite awesome things. So we're going to go with the jaunt. Michael? Uh, Andre Lenore, Storm of the Century was probably, that was without a doubt, the only real memorable aspect of Storm of the Century for me was the character that, um, that of Andre Lenore, terrific villain. A little bit reminiscent in some ways of uh, some of the other characters he's done in stories like that, but very well done. I like the jaunt a lot because I never have understood why that has not been adapted for a television. It would have made a perfect episode for one of the more recent Twilight Zone incarnations. As a matter of fact, I think uh, this particular story before it was collected for Skeleton Crew, which was, I think, his second short story collection, this appeared in Twilight Zone magazine a few years before that. And it's a great story. Basically, it's about this teleportation method called the jaunt. And this whole family is planning to go to Mars. And the father is telling the kids about the whole history of this and how you have to be asleep. You have to be unconscious because if you are awake during the jaunt, bad shit happens to you. Well, one of the kids ends up deciding to try fakes being anesthetized and goes through the jaunt. And it what ends up happening is really kind of tragic. Uh, and also particularly fucked up. So this is a really one of his best short stories, and I, I would like to see more attention given to it, and I don't really know why it hasn't. So uh, the jaunt for me. A vote for the jaunt. Paul? Uh, I was actually, the jaunt was one of my uh, nominees for the bracket here, and it's definitely one of my hands-down favorite short stories he's done. Um, it's it's him at his best sort of writing. It's it's well paced it's tightly written and the ending's a kicker so i say the john another vote for the john lance i am also going to vote for the jaunt, uh and uh not only because we need to have more representation of the short stories because he did do such a or does continue to do such a great job on short stories um but i i believe andre Lenoge is probably uh, a part of randall flag and there's actually full websites dedicated to proving that they're actually the same character. And Randall Flagg is uh, on the list at another point, so I will go for the jaunt. A vote for the jaunt. And Josh, is it a clean sweep? No. Did Felsher call me an asshole earlier? Because no. I know I need a Batman. No. Sick of those assholes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said assholes in general. I wasn't pointing out anyone in particular. Oh, okay. Well, it's fine. Right, I'm an asshole. Uh, I'm an asshole because I'm going to vote for Andre because I think he, I think he's pretty much, if not the best, he's tied for the best Stephen King villain. And uh, it's, you know, he's a creepy guy who wants to steal your kids and, you know, God knows what he's going to do with them. Uh, and then people so badly don't want their kids to be taken that they, you know, though they want other kids to be in a drawing to, to be taken by this guy. It's, it's creepy and fucked up. Andre Lenoche. Uh, vote for Andre Lenoge, but the jaunt is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Michael, this one is yours. It is The Mist, another short story, versus China, which I'm pretty sure is an episode of X-Files. That's actually Chinga. Is it, there's no G in there. Yeah, there is a G, and there's supposed to be. Okay. Anyway, um, Chinga was, one of the episode, was an episode he wrote for the X-Files. I think it was the third season episode. It's not one of the best uh, things he's written. It was a good episode. Um, as far as I can remember, it was uh, people are clawing their eyes out, and at the end it has something to do with a little girl and a doll. So it was kind of a little Twilight Zone thrown in there. It's good. 
when it comes to Stephen King's short stories, and he's a master of the short story form, The Mist was the best. It's still, in my opinion, the best thing he's ever written. Um, in terms of just the the pressure cooker aspect of putting people in a situation and having something so fucked up happen to them that they literally cannot comprehend and their entire belief systems begin to break down. You just see human human beings de-evolving in a situation that they are not prepared to handle. Uh, in terms of just pure stress and pure chaos and, and scare tactics, the mist uh, is without a doubt uh, in the top tier king. And it, it can stand next to any book he's written. As a matter of fact, this thing is a little bit more than a short story. Technically speaking, it's a novella. It's in Skeleton Crew, uh, but it actually, I think, it, it could have stood on its own. It, 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 but yet, at the same time, it's not you know as long as a novel. Anyway, The Mist, by far here, is, is the winner. Uh, vote for The Mist. Paul? Uh, if I were... This is... That episode was on when I was watching X-Files. If I remember correctly, it had something to do with some sort of evil doll. Um, again, it was it was entertaining, but I think it was one of these properties that sort of got sold just because Stephen King's name was on it, like a lot of things that he's done. But um, I, I got to agree with everything Mike said. Um, the, the Mist is just top shelf uh, of his material, so The Mist. Uh, vote for the mist, <laughs> Lance. Yeah, the mist is awesome. Um, I actually remember when the sh- I don't know if it was right before the short story was actually even written, maybe, but I remember I had a uh, a text based uh video game that I played, which I guess you wouldn't really call it a video game, it was all text and it was on our old monochromatic monitor that was kind of like a choose your own adventure type thing. And I thought that was pretty cool. The short story was great. And how could we forget the movie? I mean, the movie was was obviously one of the better uh, King adaptations. Um, as far as X-Files, I never really was able to get into it. Um, I've actually got a box in my closet right now that has every season of the X-Files that I'm borrowing from my daughter. And I think I've watched the first two episodes. It just feels so dated, and I really can't get into it. So I really never did see the episode Chinga. So uh, definitely the mist. Another vote for the mist, Josh. Uh, apparently, I picked all all shitty things here because I have my first three picks are going to go out. Um, but I don't blame you. the The X Files episode it's it's not very strong. Uh, my wife, uh, when somebody told her she had to buy the Stephen King movie The Mist, she actually went and bought The Fog, thinking that that was The Mist, and uh, she was pretty disappointed um, when she well, did. Wait, see the wait mist. what what fog did she buy? Well, it doesn't matter. It was not what she was expecting. Well, there's a big difference between the remake of The Fog and the original Fog. I think it was the remake. Okay, that's fine. That's a piece of shit. Anyway, she was disappointed. And then she saw The Real Mist, and she was pretty excited about that. Um, Yeah, everything Michael said about The Mist, um, you know, it's one of those things, put a bunch of people in a situation and and watch, uh, just watch all the relationships, the everything just disintegrate. it's it's horrible. It's it's what he does. So the mist. A uh, vote for the mist, and I will quickly make it a clean sweep for the mist, and we will move on to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. It is it versus rage. This is this is a really tough call for me. Uh, it is one of my favorite of his full length novels, but rage is probably 
my favorite of his novella length material. Um, again, re- real tough, but I think I'm going to go with Rage just because, it, you know, it sort of predicted so many things that came after it. And I am really bummed out that current and future printings of the Bachman books collection will are not supposed to have rage in it because he basically took it out, uh, like out of the canon as it were, as uh, a response to like the different school shootings and everything else. And, you know, I think that's just a shame, but uh, I'd at least like to see it get to the second round. Uh, vote for rage Lance. Uh, this one for me again is, uh, is pretty easy. I, I think that it is probably one of his, uh, five best novels. And what I really like about it was the way that the, you know, basically the first half of the book was about the kids, uh, in Derry doing what they need to do to, um, to vanquish the, uh, you know, the evil at the end. And then the second part was about the evil coming back when they're adults and they're having to vanquish it again. I did like Rage uh, for what it was, but I, in my opinion, it was the weakest of the uh, of the four uh, first Bachman books. Um, so I did like it. Um, obviously, you know, it's been repeated time and time again in quite a few uh, movies. And um, I, I know one, one in particular that Malcolm McDowell was in was very similar uh, to Rage. And I don't know if it was based on it or if it was around the same time, but um, I would vote uh, pretty easily for it on this one. Uh, vote for it, Josh. Uh, I probably get a lot of shit for this, but I, I think it's a little overrated. Um, I think it kind of gets a boost from the movie with Tim Curry playing Pennywise. Um, I, I mean, he write he wrote it well, but I just you know the whole basis of the book really isn't that interesting to me uh rage even though i haven't read it um you know that was done in the 70s that, that was that was pretty raw that was um i'll say it's unlike anything anybody else has ever done but uh, you know a kid shooting kids at school and then you know stuff like that start to happen that's um you know it, it, he was digging deep for something like that you know that's you kind of wonder where he he thought of that where he he got that stuff, you know, where it came from. Uh, it's kind of sick. So I'm going to go with Rage. Uh, vote for Rage. Uh, it is one of the first books I read when I, I was like 12. It's not a book you're supposed to read when you're 12. It's a fucked up book if you do read it at 12. And it's probably why I don't read books today. Uh, I've got to vote for it, and I haven't actually read Rage. Uh, it's all tied up. It's coming down to you there, Michael. Which one takes the win? Mm. I um this one's kind of rough because it is one of those, you know, classic King stories and it's it's beautifully written and uh in reference to the movie, yeah, Tim Curry owned so bad as Pennywise that I think he inspired a whole new generation to be even more afraid of clowns than they already were. My problem with it stretches back to the fact that it was one of King's books, and this has been leveled against him many times. I don't always agree with it because I think it's a knee-jerk reaction sometimes. But in this case, it's too much. I, I sometimes wish that he would just cut his books down by a third because I, I sometimes feel he goes off on tangents while, again, well-written, just don't really advance the story very well and end up just feeling like filler. And there's quite a bit of that in it. And I, I remember I had a rough time getting through that book just because it was like, God, just – 
stay on stay on the highway, man. Stop getting all these rest stops. It's a little bit much. Rage is a very, very, very effective book. King himself does not talk about it very much. In fact, he even took it out of publication for a long period of time. In fact, if you have an original paperback of that under the Richard Bachman name, it's worth like $1,000 right now. It is, uh, you know, the story basically of a guy goes in and shoots his algebra teacher and holds his class hostage. I mean, it's, it's easy to see why that would be a, a hot potato in today's environment. And I, maybe one day we'll get to see a really, you know, incredible adaptation of that book because I think it has some very interesting points. So I'm going to go with Rage in this in this situation. And Rage is moving on. We're on to our next fight, Lance. This one is yours. It is the Running Man movie, not the story. The movie. <laughs> yeah, we got our Schwarzenegger on this one too, versus Randall Flag. Yeah, the, the Running Man movie was fantastic. I mean, the cheesy, out there, just over the top, um, uh, you know, just really, really out there villains that had all kinds of uh, all kinds of powers. And, you know, you're one guy, you're every man who, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who uh, no, 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 none of us looks like, I'm sure. Um, but he has such a such a talent of playing the everyman. And that's one, uh, you know, one of those roles where he really pulled it off. And then Richard Dawson. Uh, I mean, that was just genius to have him in there in, in the role he was in. But Randall Flagg is the quintessential Stephen King devil. Um, Randall Flagg first showed up, obviously, uh, or as far as I know, he first showed up in The Stand and uh, also known as The Walking Dude, uh, also known as The Man in Jeans, also known as The Traveling Guy. Um He's shown up in at least uh, at least eight other King novels that I know of, um, a number of short stories. Um, again, I believe that Andre Lacombe was based on Randall Flagg. Um, obviously, he's in um, you know he's in all the Dark Tower series. Um, I mean, hands down, Randall Flagg. A vote for Randall Flagg, Josh. I don't know a lot about Randall Flagg, um, so I'm going to vote for the Hunger Games. <laughs> Uh, vote for <laughs> the running man. Uh, I put running man on here just to be an asshole. I uh, just to think outside the box. Uh, but the running man movie is not a very good representation of what uh, Stephen King wrote. Like it, 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 it's like Mike says, it's Arnoldized and it becomes an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and leaves the actual original story way, 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 way far behind. Uh, Randall Flagg is badass, so I'm going to be voting for Randall Flagg. Michael? Yeah, I find, you know, The Running Man is actually very interesting as, uh, it's, as, as much as Stallone in Judge Dredd is interesting. Watching source material get bent around this, you know, superstar. And that's exactly what The Running Man ends up having. I mean, The Running Man, the character they, from that is more of a... Uh, almost like a Woody Allen type. He's this nebbish kind of guy you would never think to be capable of doing the things he does, and he's just pushed to the extremes, and that's what made the book more appealing. Plus, the book ends with a plane flying into a tower and blowing it up, so I wouldn't expect that ending to be uh, seen in any remake anytime in the near future. Uh, so, I, yeah, but I love The Running Man, but you know, I'm going to ram it into your, you know, ram my feet into your spine and pull out your goddamn spine and all that. I mean, I don't think King wrote that. So at the end of the day, I, yeah, but you can't really beat Randall Flagg. He's the uh, one of the ultimate bad guys. Another vote for Randall Flagg and Paul. 
yeah, I'm going to go with Randall Flagg also. Um, Running Man has actually been in heavy rotation on some movie channel recently, so I've seen like a third of it like 16 times in the past week and a half. Um, it, it's, it's its own campy sort of creation, but it's got so little to do with the actual story. Um, it, it, it's the same title. That's about it. Um, so yeah, Randall Flagg. And Randall Flagg is moving on into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Josh, this one is yours. It is Boogie Man, kind of. Uh, it's the Stephen King episode of Quantum Leap versus Roland. What is this, Deshaun? Deshane, Deshaun, I have no idea. Anyway, but Josh, that one is yours. All right, uh, you know what? If an X-Files episode written by Stephen King can't move on, then a Quantum Leap episode written by Stephen King cannot move on. Um, it was not written by Stephen King. Oh, it? It's actually about Stephen oh, King. Oh, it's about him. Yeah. That shows you how much I know about Quantum Leap. Um, I like I like Captain Archer. Uh, so I guess I'm going with Roland DeShane here. And um, I guess that's going to create a natural, uh, an actual fight um, that we're going to get to go off of with uh, DeShane and uh, Flag. So that should be interesting. Maybe. M- maybe I can... Uh talk some people into one of the most clever greatest episodes of quantum leap and it's all about stephen king and it's the shortest leap that ever happens the leap is like three minutes long he literally leaps for three minutes and in between him getting to the place and leaping he gets knocked out and he has a whole big freaky weird stephen king dream and then he meets little Stevie King. I, I, I love the shit out of it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to vote for it. I put it on here. I don't even care. I know it's going to lose. I'm voting for the boogeyman. Michael? Um, it's cute. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Roland's the fucking gunslinger. Stark Tower. I'm not voting against that. No, 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 no. All right. A vote for Roland. Paul? Yeah, I, I, David, I do have to agree with everything you said about that particular episode of Quantum Leap. Uh, it, it, it's funny. I mean, it's a great. It, it was their Halloween episode that year, or whatever. Um, but it's best of Stephen King, not best of Quantum Leap. So, Rose Shane. Fuck you, Paul. Lance. Well, the, yeah, the, I'm, I'm, get, I'm glad this one's pretty much already decided because this one for me is, is, is really, really tough. Um, and that's because uh, when my wife and I were were pretty newly married, um, the show Quantum Leap was was a pretty big part of our day five days a week. I remember we would watch that uh, all the different ep- episodes when they were in syndication. Uh, and I do remember this episode, and I remember it being a lot of fun, and I remember the Halloween theme. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, no nobody's gonna nobody's gonna take Roland to Shane in a physical fight. Uh, not even Captain Archer. Uh, all 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 due respect given. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll throw some love to the uh, to the Quantum Leap episode. A little love to Quantum Leap, and it's actually on weekdays from like three from eleven till one on uh, G four. So you could still watch Quantum Leap. That's the only reason it ended up on here. We're on to our next fight. Uh, it is Jordy Varil. Barrel. Barrel. Sorry. From Creepshow versus Under the Dome. Uh, anytime you have Stephen King performing, 
<laughs> which it is a Stephen King performance. I've got to vote for it. My favorite is still what he does in the stand, but I'm voting for uh, Jordy. Uh, Michael. Yeah, I'm also going to vote for Jordy. Creepshow is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I never understood the critics savaged his performance in Creepshow, saying it was way too cartoony and over the top. Well, what the fuck were they expecting? Um, it's creep show for Christ's sakes. In fact, George Romero asked Jordy Verrill to, or asked um, Stephen King to play Jordy Verrill as a cartoon character. He asked him, "Was like think Wiley e. Coyote in the Roadrunner?" So he <laughs> plays the whole thing like, and, it, and it's it's brilliant. It's so much fun, and he gets to deliver the immortal line, "Meteor shit." So I mean, it's just I don't know. Look, if you're he plays an over-the-top dumb hick who gets eaten by plants slowly over the course of the uh, of the of the segment of the movie. He's a, he's an absolute delight. Under the Dome I, is another one of those novels. Again, could have been cut down significantly, and I couldn't get the uh, Simpsons movie out of my head. Unfortunately, with that for some reason. So I'm going to go with Jordy Merrill. <laughs> uh, vote for Jordy, Paul. Uh, I'm, I'm also going with Jordy Verrill. Uh, Creepshow, I think, was really well put together as a whole, but that particular, you know, basically one-man act for Stephen King, that was hysterical. I know he was, that was still in the, you know, thick of his drinking, drugging days, and it shows, but, you know, I mean, that, that sort of drug-addled charisma comes through. So, let's, let's see Jordy keep it rolling. Oh, vote for Jordy. Uh, Lance. Well, you know, now now that you mentioned that, uh, that's got me thinking. I, I, in a way, I think that uh, that that creep show performance and Under the Dome are kind of a juxtaposition of uh, King before and after he got clean. Because if you uh, you know read a lot of the stuff in Under the Dome, it's kind of talking about the ravages of drug abuse and the ravages of alcoholism, and uh, there's a lot of that in there. Um, what I like about Under the Dome is it's it's a little bit different, um, you know. And I guess spoiler alert here's in order, but you know, at the end you find you find out that it's not any kind of uh, monsters or anything like that that are from Earth or from the spirit world, uh, but it was actually uh, aliens that were uh, that were running the whole thing. So I don't know. I, I liked Under the Dome. I, I did put it. Uh, I did put it on the list. But uh, oh hell, how, how the hell are you going to argue with 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 meteor shit? I mean, come on. Uh, vote for meteor shit. <laughs> Josh, is it a clean sweep? Yeah, it's a clean sweep. Uh, I can't vote against uh, Stephen King as a human Shia pet. Uh, it, under the dome, it, 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 like Michael said, it drags on. But essentially, it's it's the it's the mist. It's that story of you know you get a certain amount of people in a confined area, and you know it's it's what happens after that it's like lord of the flies ish you know and it's always going to end badly for people in that so i'm going to go with uh jordy varel uh vote for jordy and jordy is moving on we're on to our next fight michael this one is yours it's the first unknown of the evening it is the dark half versus karen's pick which is on writing a uh, memoir of the craft oh boy I would not have thought I would vote against the dark half, which is a one of my favorite King novels and also a very underrated movie as well. Uh, and it was been really nice to vote for that. The problem is on writing, aside from just being a really great book and it's a, uh, anyone who wants to write for a living should read it just because the man knows what he's talking about. Um, but it also features an absolutely riveting account of what happened to him. Uh, in the car accident that nearly took his life. 
And it was, I know that's going to come up later, but reading that, that was where you're just like, okay, this man, not only if he should, if he should be dead. And at the very least, he should be paralyzed and not able to speak or something horrible. The fact that he's still walking around speaking and writing after that is amazing. But his account of it is just, it, it, it shakes you to your core. So as much as I hate to vote against the dark half, I, I got to, I'm going to go with on writing here. A vote for on writing, Paul. This ugh, again, also a tough one. I, I got to agree with everything Michael said about on writing. It's a great, it's it's a great book for anyone who's even if you even thought about writing. It's something you should actually take the time and sit through. Um, Dark half. I I got to go with I, I got to go with that just because Dark half has if. Uh, if Randall Flagg might have been like the the number one villain in you know Stephen King's canon, I think uh, George Stark might be a close second, maybe even like a one A one B sort of thing. Um, and Timothy Hutton was great uh, playing both parts in that, so I'm going with the dark half. A vote for the dark half, uh, Lance. Well, yeah, on on writing was uh, was an outstanding book. Uh, there was there were a lot of details of King's life uh, that were in that book, and it really gave you an inside glimpse into what he was thinking, the process he he is always going through, and and what he's all about. Um, but that being said, the dark half. I mean, all, all I got to say about that is uh, is the is the famous line in that book. Uh, when he just sits down and, and everything's crashed around him and he just says, Innsville, the place where all rail service terminates. And that just just shook me to the core when I read that part. And, of course, the old the good old uh, high tone son of a bitch. Uh, just, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Real, real close to Randall Flagg for just the sheer evilness of Stark. Uh, absolutely the dark half. Uh, vote for the dark half. Josh. Uh, yeah, it looks like the dark half is going to be moving on. So I'm going to go ahead and, and, and save the arguments I have for that um, for the next round or further. So dark half. A vote for the dark half. Um, I will be voting for on writing. It's fuck the dark half. <laughs> We're on to our next fight. <laughs> Paul, this one is yours. It is Pet Cemetery versus The Shining, the TV miniseries. Well, I know the sh- the TV miniseries is it's closer to the actual written work than is the Kubrick film. But I'm sorry, I can't get behind the guy from Wings uh, playing Jack Torrance, uh, Pet Cemetery. A uh, vote for Pet Cemetery, Lance. Uh, yeah, actually, um, with, with the shot, I remember when I first saw the original Kubrick uh, film, The Shining. I absolutely, uh, absolutely hated it. And uh, it, interestingly enough, Kubrick is now probably one of my, you know, three favorite directors of all time. And looking back on the movie, it, it, it's, a, it's a work of art. But I just love the book so much that, you know, I just could not get into the movie. And I guess because I felt so burned about that, I never even watched the TV miniseries. I had many chances to watch it. I uh, actually even thought about renting it from Netflix and just never did because I just didn't want that uh, – I, I didn't want to be destroyed like that again. So, um, Pet Cemetery is uh, not one of his best books, uh, but Pet Cemetery is a is a really good book with some really fantastic ideas in it, and uh, and, and and a hell of a movie. So, uh, I'm going to go with Pet Cemetery. 
uh, vote for Pet Cemetery, Josh. Yeah, uh, Stephen Weber's the guy from Wings. And uh, I got to tell you, he doesn't do any worse of a job than Jack Nicholson does. Because I remember when I saw The Shining for the first time, I really, I really didn't like it because I was watching Jack Nicholson as far as I was concerned. Um, King had a lot of input in that. And I think uh, I, I'm going to say this because I, I wanted to move on. So I'm going to use my argument right now. But um, towards the end, uh, when he's when he sees his father in the hall, his, you know, it's it's obviously not his father. And he starts hitting himself with a with a bat and kind of deforming himself. Um, and that's kind of when he realizes it's not him. It's it's this it's it's the hotel it's not his father and i think that it's uh that's the whole alcoholism thing like it's not your father it's the alcohol it's a problem yada 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 but uh i think that was that, that was something that i thought really deserved to be in in any any whether the, it's the movie or the tv show like that was i thought that was a great scene and that's why i'm gonna go ahead and vote for the tv show or the tv miniseries the shining uh vote for the tv miniseries of the shining because I don't want to break Josh's heart, I will be voting for the TV miniseries of The Shining as well. Pet Cemetery, the movie was okay. No, it wasn't. Like, I, I mean, it's okay. Um, I'll go. I, I have no dog in this fight, so I'd rather tie it up and let Michael break somebody's heart. So I'm going to tie it all up, and it comes down to you, there, Michael. Who, who put the um, miniseries on this list? I believe that would be Josh, right? That was me. Hmm. Um, I look on this list. I see the Shining novel on the list. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. I see uh, the Shining movies on the. Uh, no, wait, no. no. I don't see the Shining movie on the list. I don't see Kubrick's movie on the list. But you know what? I can understand why that's not on the list. As brilliant a movie as it is, and as much as I love it, terrible adaptation of the novel. It's an absolutely terrible adaptation of the novel. It doesn't really bear very much resemblance to King's uh, uh, book at all. Um, and it's very much Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and not Stephen King's The Shining, which led to them you know, doing the miniseries. Problem was, miniseries sucked. It was terrible. It was overlong. It was cheap. There were some really bad performances in it. The kid in it was so obnoxious. I kept hoping Danny would just die right at the beginning and they would just go off and do some other goddamn movie. Um, Stephen Weber was fine. Rebecca DeMornay was fine. The ending of it was so sappy and stupid. I think it simultaneously turned half the viewers into diabetics right as they were watching it because it was like, what the fuck is this? It catered to all the worst instincts of King in that it was close in some ways but it deviated from the novel in a bunch of ways that were just awful i i thought it was just tacky and stupid and uh, what the fuck it's doing on this list i have no idea it could be up against a big piece of shit in stephen king's toilet and i would vote for that so i'm gonna vote for what's the one that's up against pet cemetery all right fine i'll vote for pet cemetery <laughs> you know uh what everyone has forgotten to mention is that the miniseries does not have a theme song by the Ramones, which is going to be either the outro music or our break music. Okay. Nice to know you're still with us, Mike. You're not asleep. Okay, that's good. We are on to our next fight. Um, Pet Cemetery is moving on. Lance, this one is yours. Is It is Cujo the movie versus Misery. Uh, yeah, this one's pretty easy. Um, yeah, Cujo the movie, D. Wallace, all that. It, eh, yeah, it was okay. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. Um, 
the book Cujo, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, there was a lot more detail in it about the uh, advertising work that the guy does and stuff like that, and uh, the lawsuits going on. All, all that stuff at the beginning of the book was pretty neat, and I thought it really, uh, it kind of, it kind of uh, developed the characters really well. Um, misery, uh, man, it is just genius. M misery is just uh, one of those books that when I was reading it, I was just visualizing everything um, that that he was going through and just almost feeling the pain. And I remember one scene in the book in particular when he he's actually able to get out of bed and he's walking around Annie's uh, house. And there's these uh, half-empty two-liter bottles of Pepsi with, you know, fingerprints with chicken grease marks on the side of them, and uh, all kinds of food laying out, and just, just filth, and just, uh, it, it just really, it really made me feel weird. And uh, any any Stephen King book that can make me feel weird, well, it's doing its job. I'm I'm going for misery. Oh, uh, vote for misery, uh, Josh. Uh, I feel like this fight is about making two things that can be lovable and really good, like a nurse and a puppy, uh, be two horribly evil things, like a rabid dog and an insane woman. Um, you know, I guess when it comes down to it, I'm, I'm going to look at them as, as, as movies. Um, and Kathy Bates is the thing that sticks out. When I see Misery, I just think Kathy Bates. And I think how fucked up it is that she's going to break somebody's ankle. And they're going to watch them do it. Uh, you know, and it's not like the, it's I'll save my I'll save my argument because it's going to be misery, uh, hopefully. So I'm going to go with misery. A vote for misery. Um, as a black person, I'm naturally scared of dogs. Uh, well, let's or let's rephrase that as a black person who was born after 19, what, 68. I am naturally scared of dogs because, you know, you white people suck, a, suck them on us for quite a while. So Cujo is a terrifying film. Because uh, St. Bernard, St. Bernard's are fucking huge. I saw one the other day. I'd never seen one in real life before. I'd only seen the movie Cujo. Holy shit! That that, that escalates the movie like a hundredfold. Like, it, until you see an actual St. Bernard in person, you have no idea how scary Cujo actually can be. But as a person who is slightly famous and by that the few hundred people that listen to this know who i am it the, the misery story is also very terrifying that somebody might know you especially in the day and age of uh what do you call this facebook and twitter where where you have these online personas and you do something that somebody doesn't like they track you ass down and fucking fuck you up that's that's terrifying uh, I'm going to go with Cujo right now. I can be swayed. Michael? Yeah, it says Cujo, the movie versus Misery. Uh, um, as was previously, I'm going to consider this the movie versus the movie. And uh, Misery was fantastic. Misery did something in adaptation. The adaptation of the book actually changes quite a few things, but I think they actually made improvements uh, in terms of changing the character of the sheriff, making him more of an interesting presence in the film. And in the book, it's this incredible scene where she hobbles in by cutting one of his feet off. And it's it just is like, holy shit, the description of it is just amazing. But if you had put that in the movie, it would have ground the whole film to a screeching halt, not, not to mention the fact they would have had to trim the shit out of it just to get an R rating. So by changing it to breaking the feet, no blood whatsoever, I, 
it's it gives you the same effect as reading about the foot being cut off in the book. That's what a good adaptation does. Is it, it somehow figures out a way to do the same thing without necessarily having to translate it exactly as it was written. The problem is, is that Cujo the movie never gets the respect it deserves. It's one of King's most brutal books because it ends with kid dying. The mother's got rabies. Uh, she's going to go through a long recuperating process. Their marriage is destroyed. I mean, you're wrung out after that book. And the movie has to do a lot of that for you. But at the end, if it ended like that, you would walk out in the traffic after that movie was over. You would shoot yourself on the fucking head. And I get tired of people saying, the movie changes so the kid would live. If that kid had not lived in the book, in the movie, the no one would have ever watched that movie again. And it, you get the same effect, and you needed a catharsis at the end. You needed to at least know, Jesus, at least one good thing came out of this. And D. Wallace's performance, I know that Kathy Bates won for Misery, and she deserved it. D. Wallace's performance in Cujo is a motherfucker of a performance. It is an incredible tour to force by her. She's never gotten the due that she deserves for that movie. And she, if, if this had not been a Stephen King dog movie, she would have been up for an Oscar that year. She was that good in that movie, and I really wish more people would pay attention and give that movie the respect that it deserves. So nothing against Misery, but I'm going with Cujo. Another vote for Cujo. Paul? Well, book, book, movie, movie. Um, you know, I, I'm still going to have to go with Misery on this. Um, Cujo has a, a special place in my heart because it, it's what prompted eight-year-old, after reading it, it's what prompted eight-year-old me to turn to my mother and just ask her straight out, Mom, what does the word cunt mean? <laughs> Much to her chagrin at the time. Um, but, yeah, Misery just, yeah, I, I liked Cujo, but I think Misery just head and shoulders above it um, in terms of the story. Um, and I think that one might be going on, so I'll, I'll save it for the rest, but Misery. A vote for misery. What did your mother say when you asked her what cut means? <laughs> uh, I, I believe she played it pretty straight and was just like, it's a bad word for a woman. Don't ever say it again. And I said, okay, and went back to playing with my toys. So, <laughs> did, did you call your toys cunts after that? Not, not that I recall, no. Okay. Uh, well, it is all tied up. It does come down to you there, Josh. Which one takes the win? Didn't I start this? I'm pretty sure Lance did, didn't he? Uh, I think I started it with Misery. Oh. Okay, then Lance. Yeah, I, uh, I I put my vote in for Misery. Who the hell am I forgetting? <laughs> I think we cycled through. Oh, oops. Well then, what the hell happened? I don't know. I'm I'm just tired. There are three votes. <laughs> I'll vote if you want to. Sure. Why not, Mike? Uh, I I will also vote for misery. Okay, misery is moving the, on. The unprecedented four to two vote for misery. <laughs> it happens every now and again. I like to change my vote to cunt. Okay. Who doesn't? Want, never mind. I'll change my vote to cunt. We we really do need a bonus cunt versus meteor shit <laughs> matchup. I think. Uh, I'm writing it down. We can we have that. best? Can we have best cunt as as a uh, uh, a future geek fight, please? Well, if we do best cunt, then we have to do best racial slur, best Nazi, and best retarded person. And uh, best cunt would be a uh, penny gadget. 
Oh yeah, Penny Gadget. Yeah, <laughs> she wins that one hands down. Oh, and best little person. But we are moving on to our next fight. Josh, this fight is yours. It is Richard Bachman versus Wizard and Glass. Okay, I think I started the last one, but I'll I'll start this one too. Um, <clears throat> I guess I don't know who put Richard Bachman on. I guess are we voting for? The fact that he 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 published under another name, or is it the work of Richard Bachman? Because it's whatever aspect you choose King. to focus on, I guess. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I don't know. He did rage under uh, under Bachman, and um, I guess a lot of the other stuff. If you want to say that he has a darker side, um, however you want to define that, maybe it's uh, more personal demon side. Maybe it's just a little, you know. Uh, I think of crazy things about killing people, like walking down the street side. Um, probably a lot of that stuff is in a lot of the, the Richard Bachman novels. Um, so I guess, in essence, if this is the best of Stephen King, then I have to vote for Stephen King because he's Richard Bachman. So Richard Bachman. Uh, vote for Richard Bachman. Yeah, I put Richard Bachman on the list because I just love the fact that Stephen King, one of the most famous writers in the world today decided to write under a different name so he could use a slightly different voice so he could tell different stories and wasn't hampered down by the name Stephen King. So, uh, yeah, I, I love, I love the fact that he did that. So I'm going to go with Richard Bachman, Michael. Yeah. Wizard and glass is not even, it's not my favorite of the dark tower books. It's good, but uh, I mean, they're all good, but that one wasn't my favorite. I liked the Richard Bachman thing too, because it was an experiment. And it's an, a lot of other writers have also, uh, talked about the fact is is my work being judged because i'm stephen king or is it being judged you know i mean am i being given any points for or against because of who i am are people judging my my work on a curve or are they coming in with prejudice against my work so this was his attempt to see well let's see if people really respond to what i'm actually writing without the weight of the stephen king name and the answer was people didn't pay very much attention to Richard Bachman. Uh, the Bachman books didn't really get a whole lot of attention and some good reviews here and there, but they were kind of kind of forgotten about until they got published as the Bachman books. And another aspect of Richard Bachman we should consider is he was outed as Richard Bachman by a guy who hunted down and found out and figured out he was Richard Bachman. And it was that experience that led to the creation of the Dark Half. So I would like to go ahead and cast a vote for Richard Bachman. Another vote for Richard Bachman. Paul. Well, I did enjoy, I, I like the idea of the experiment of what Richard Bachman was. It, it's a fascinating thing that like next to no authors actually do. Um, but Wizard and Glass was my favorite of the Dark Tower books. I think the whole origin story and the young gunslingers you know, it's, it's the first book there that really gives you an idea about um, what things were like, uh, what, was the, what are they always called, before the world moved on. And, you know, that's that's what really opened that door. Um, so I have to go with Wizard and Glass. A vote for Wizard and Glass and Lance. Well, okay, the way that I'm visualizing this one, it's making it a little bit difficult for me because I'm when, when I'm thinking of Wizard and Glass, I'm thinking of the Dark Tower series as a whole. And the Dark Tower series was absolutely positively one of, you know, one of King's masterworks. Uh, I mean, he started the story off strong. Every book was a little bit different. Every book told a, a little bit different type of story. 
And at the very end of it, he wrapped everything up in a really neat little almost Twilight Zone type package. And, and it all made perfect sense. And uh, and it was all so good that he even, you know, even came came out later and, and wrote like a prequel, I guess. Uh, they uh, went through the keyhole. Um, so, yeah, the Dark Tower. I mean, what a what a huge accomplishment. Um, but if I'm judging that against all the Richard Bachman books, so let's see, we had the four original ones, uh, Roadwork, Rage, um, The Long Walk and The Running Man. And then I, I know there were a couple more he wrote under, I think Thinner he wrote under Bachman. And there's a newer one that he wrote under Bachman. Um, yeah, gosh, I was really leaning toward Bachman. I, I think I'm going to go ahead and on this one vote for Wizard and Glass and casting my vote for the accomplishment that is The Dark Tower. A vote for the Wizard and Glass, but Richard Bachman is moving on into the next round. We are on to our next fight. It is Grandma, uh, 1985 Twilight Zone episode versus the Green Mile. Um, yeah, I gotta go Green Mile. Even though I didn't read the entirety of the, what weren't there like 13 novellas? Isn't that the way it came out originally? I know it was 13 little books. I remember there being small books. Yeah, that, it was six. But it was they would, yeah, they, they were paperbacks, little individual paperbacks. Yeah, I read the first one, but because books have a habit of not coming out very quickly, I, I lost interest very quickly and moved on to something else. But then I saw the movie and I really like the story. I like I like the fact that it's, you know, modern day Jesus and no, it's not Jesus. And I love the fact that when you put when you pop people on Jesus and they're like, it's not Jesus. And it's like his name is John Coffey, JC. And, they, and people I love watching their, their minds get blown after years later of seeing the movie and not realizing it. So I'm going to go with uh, the Green Mile. Michael? Um, I think I'm the one to put grandma on this list because I wanted to represent what I think was the pinnacle of his short TV work. Uh, this was one of his short stories that Harlan Ellison adapted for Twilight Zone. And it, it came to mind, obviously, because we just did the best of Twilight Zone. And this was one of the best episodes of the revival that was done in the 80s. It was just really creepy. I mean, just, just you talk about atmosphere. This thing had atmosphere coming out of its ass. I mean, it was just amazingly well done. Um, the problem is the Green Mile, it's funny. The, the books, I never, it's, I've never gotten around to reading the books. I have the collected green mile but i've never gotten around to reading it's one of the few i haven't um and the movie was very well liked and respected at the time but i remember it being viewed as something of a disappointment because it was from frank darabont who had done the shawshank redemption and even by that point in 99 when green mile came out shawshank had already been elevated to classic status and deservedly so uh having just watched the green mile again recently that movie has aged extremely well it, it really does hold up. It has a brilliant cast. I mean, just from Tom Hanks to David Morris to Sam Rockwell to the dearly departed Michael Clark Duncan to, uh, I mean, just Barry Peppers in there. I mean, just, and then Harry Dean Stanton. I mean, just, it's immaculately done. And it really does hold your interest. And I, I've, I think now further away from Shawshank, that movie deserves its own respect. Because, you know, Frank Darabont became the expert at directing Stephen King prison movies. And so, basically, that it kind of suffered as a result. So, I'm going to give it to the Green Mile. A uh, vote for the now, Green Mile. Did Michael just say that the Twilight Zone episode had atmosphere coming out its ass? Yeah. That, does that mean Grandma's farting? 
Well, she was an evil bitch. She was a cunt. Uh, that uh, that word's going to come up a lot in this episode. Thanks, Paul. But it is um, your vote. <laughs> cunt? Did you just say it like Scooby-Doo? Yep. Oh, Paul, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, actually, I've never seen that particular episode of The Twilight Zone. I have read the short story, Grandma. Um loved it thought it was terrific um i like green mile also just not one of my favorites um again i i don't have a real big front runner but uh out of respect to the dearly departed uh michael clark duncan i'm gonna cast my ballot for the green mile oh that's bullshit he died like three weeks ago by the time this airs like a month ago who cares about him being dead is well, it the only our, you are? Amarosa cares about him being dead. Okay, uh, Lance. Yeah, I, I remember. I think Grandma was one of his uh, one of his earliest short stories, wasn't it? it? Yeah, and it was definitely an early one from him because it had been. It was already eighty five when the when the adaptation came around, so it had been kicking around okay. for a while. All right. Yeah, I never saw the adaptation on on uh, Twilight Zone, but I but I did read the the uh, short story, and I, re- I remember it was a it was a neat little short story. It was really really creepy, if I remember correctly. It was like kind of like a demon possession uh, type of story or something like that. But guys, we're talking about the Green Mile here, and the the the, the only thing I can compare the feeling uh, of me waiting for each next book in the Green Mile of coming out. Was when I was waiting every single week for Comic Book Day on that on that day of the week when the new comic books would hit the store, and uh, you know this week I could get Uncanny X Men, next week I could get Exceptional X Men, the week after that I could get uh, you know the cunts of the X Men, you know. So you know I, it, that's really what uh, you know what makes me lean more toward the Green Mile. The movie was obviously you know as as was brought up uh, an absolute work of art. Some of the best acting, uh, you know, that I that I had seen in a movie in a while, um, but yeah, just waiting for each new book to come out in the Green Mile was just so exciting. I've I've got to I've got to vote for the Green Mile. Another vote for the Green Mile, Josh. Is it a clean sweep? Yeah, it's going to be a clean sweep. Uh, yeah, the last week I actually heard my grandmother fart, uh, and it was funny. But I'm all set. I, I don't need to hear her fart again. But I will watch the Green Mile whenever it's on TV. Green Mile. Jap- how did that become the lip? Never mind. No, no. Mike said it, grandma's farting because she had atmosphere coming out of her ass, right? It wasn't. Can we move on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Green Mile is moving on. And yeah, after Michael Clark Duncan died, they showed that movie like a hundred times on AMC for a week. I'm not joking. Well, that, but they, they do that anyway. I No, no, no. This was, this was special. They literally, all their daytime programming got changed. For the week that he died, they showed nothing but uh, for, but uh, Green Mile from like four in the morning till eight o'clock at night when they had their little bit of programming. And when their little bit of programming was over, they went back to showing it again. It, it was it was an amazing feat, nonstop. Uh, but we are on to our next fight, Michael. This one is yours. Uh, to me, it's personally a very difficult fight. It is the Stand versus Stand by Me. Yeah, this is. <laughs> Talk about two extremes of uh, Stephen Kingdom. Um, you have The Stand, his super apocalyptic novel, and the introduction of Randall Flagg. And, and so many elements and themes of The Stand have been echoed in his later books. I mean, it was a, it was a trendsetter, no doubt. 
and I'm going to leave the miniseries out of this, even though I liked the miniseries at the time. It, boy, it has not. It's aged like milk. It has not done a very good job at all, and I just soon leave it out of. Um, Stand by me, boy. That was a that was a little miracle. That movie. I mean, you talk about a, a, a. It's a it's a very personal story for Stephen King that was featured in the uh, the novel Different Seasons, and uh, it was called The Body. And it was there's really not much more to it than a bunch of kids hanging out, going to find a body. It's not really even about finding the body. It's about these kids and the journey they go through on that weekend. And it was such an immaculately made film. It was the film that really woke people up and went, Rob Reiner knows what the hell he's doing as a director. And the cast, Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Jerry O'Connell, and Corey Feldman. It was just, it's one of those films that just, captured a place in the time so perfectly and um my head goes to the stand but my heart goes to stand by me and i'm gonna listen to my heart on this one wait you have a heart shut up (laughs) vote for stand by me paul uh well i think had had there been no dark tower i would probably go for the stand um but there is a dark tower and i you know it is a very very much two different the, the two ends of the spectrum are Stephen King. You've got the big story, and then you've got the very small story. And I think the small story is just told so well. Uh, the movie is adapted so well that, um, you know, as, as great as uh, sort of like the Randall Flagg part of the Stephen King mythology is and seeing it start with The Stand, um, I'm going to have to go with Stand By Me. Another vote for Stand By Me, Lance. Wow, uh, did not think I'd be saying this, but I'm actually I'm actually wavering here. You guys make some incredibly convincing arguments, and um, yeah, the the more I'm thinking about it, uh, yeah, I mean, Stand by Me, especially the casting in the movie, just just phenomenal. But with all due respect to Ends and Crusher, um, I mean, the stand is just. I mean, it is Stephen King. I, I don't know how else to put it. I've read it three times. It's it's the only Stephen King book I've read three times. And, um, I mean, it just incorporates everything that uh, that he's become started there. And uh, I, I can't vote against the stance, so I'm going for the stand. Uh, Ensign Crusher, Crusher had a leech on his balls, man. That counts for something. <laughs> yeah, I got to get some points there. Some geek, geek cred, huh? A vote for the stand. Uh, Josh. I'm always going to remember him as acting Ensign Crusher. Ensign Crusher was a little too much for me. Uh, you know, as we're going through these, I'm thinking to myself, like, is Stephen King, can he see the future? He's he's writing about school shootings and planes flying into buildings and, um, like, man-made viruses that are getting out of control um, and wiping out the planet because of, you know, we have planes and, you know, it's such a small world now. Um that's crazy to think that he wrote that in the seventies, um, because like nowadays it's, it's it's kind of a it's kind of something that we can be afraid of. Um, but yeah, Stand by Me. It's it's a movie that I think everybody watches and they can take something away from it, whether they were a child in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, eighties. You know, it's everybody relates to it. It's it's kids on an adventure. I mean, who? Who of us didn't go into the woods with our, our friends and, and pack some food in a backpack and and uh, you know wander around and try to build a fort or you know just stuff like that? You watch it and and I don't want to sound 
horribly sappy here, but you watch it and it just kind of warms your heart. It makes you think back to when you were a kid. Um, I'm going to go with Stand By Me. Uh, vote for Stand By Me and M-O-O-N. That spells Stand By Me. Yeah, I still like the miniseries. I don't care that it doesn't hold up well at all, but I still like it. But I'm still voting for Stand By Me because it was on TV like three days ago. And I was like, oh, I'll watch it. And then by the end, I'm damn near in tears because it's such a good film. Um, On to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. It is being hit by a truck versus maximum overdrive. (laughs) Oh, come on. I mean, you've got a movie about being hit. (laughs) You got got a movie about being hit by a truck. And then you got actually being hit by the fucking truck. So... You got to go with the real end of that. I mean, the 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 drunk uh, the drunk cooler dude in the in the Econoline van was definitely not as cool as a Green Goblin semi. But shit, the guy got hit by a truck. So let's have hit by a truck keep going. All right, a vote for hit by a truck, uh, Lance. Four letters: A C D C. Maximum overdrive. Actually, that's only three letters. ACDC. Yeah, but A is. Ah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, no, it's C. It's C. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> vote for <laughs> maximum overdrive. Uh, so, sorry to be a complete spelling dick, but I was just happy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's only three letters. Yeah. I'd like you to buy a <laughs> no, You said C twice. You know, it's how it counts. But, um, Josh. Uh, does anybody remember before we had cable TV and like 24 hour news when something would happen, they'd break into programming with like a special report. Uh, when Stephen King was hit by a car, that's, that's what happened in the state of Maine. Like we came to a standstill government stopped businesses stopped. Uh, you know, you would have thought that it was the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor. It was very traumatic for a lot of people. Um, maximum overdrive is like transformers. Uh, it's it's evil it's evil cars trying to kill you except for they just they don't transform and uh, it has a better soundtrack than any of the Transformers movies except for the animated movie. Um, I got to go with Maximum Overdrive. A vote for Maximum Overdrive. I don't understand what this whole resurgence of the the animated Transformers movie has been. That movie is garbage after oh, the first ten it. minutes. It kicks fucking ass. No. But, I'm uh, showing that to my son as soon as he can like see the TV. Well, he he's watching it. He could he could see the TV now, but um, I put him close enough. But I don't think that's healthy. <laughs> uh, what he's only what uh, six days old? I uh, he, he could do it. But uh, I'm going to vote for being hit by a truck because that's B A. Anybody that gets hit by a car, which I've been hit by a car a couple times, and walks away from it, it's B A in my book. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Felsher. Which one takes the win? Uh, I Maximum Overdrive is a blast. It's a terrible movie, but it is a it is a, a blast to watch. And I was I was living just a couple hours away from where they filmed that in uh, Wilmington. And I remember our, my family took a trip not long after the the movie was filmed, and uh, we were driving down the highway, and we drove right by the wrecked, destroyed remains of the Dixie stop right off the highway. You could see where it had been sitting, and there was just nothing but a bunch of burnt garbage. And um, anyway, the problem with Maximum Overdrive is it's up against an incident that if you've read on writing and you've read the accounts of what happened to him, motherfuckers should be dead. 
he really should be dead. He was hit full on by this truck. It wasn't like he was winged and he was knocked down or even run over, which would have probably been better. He was hit by the truck, flown off the road, crashed in, broke almost every single fucking bone in his body. And no one should have been really been able to survive this. And a little added weird thing about that whole thing, not only does he survive it, and not only does he recover from it better than any human being ever should have, a year later, the guy that hit him, who got off relatively scot-free, he had like a suspended license and a six-month suspended sentence, nothing really that bad. The guy goes to sleep one night, doesn't wake up, fucking dies. Just fucking dies. And there was no... No foul play, nothing. The guy just motherfucking went to sleep, and pfft, that was it. He was apparently on some medications. His health wasn't that great. Fucking died. And Stephen King gave the best statement that I could have ever hoped for him to give because it was simultaneously very nice and also very creepy. It was, I was very sorry to hear of the passing of Brian Smith. The death of a 43-year-old man could only be termed untimely. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? And what did you do to him? <laughs> because somehow, somehow karma came back and kicked this man's ass. So I always thought that was really weird. It's like, don't, don't fuck around with Stephen King because you're just not going to last long after that. So the whole, that whole phenomenon alone is why I've got to vote for being hit by a truck. And hit by a truck is moving on to the next round. We are on to our next fight. Lance, this one is yours. It is Shawshank Redemption versus The Long Walk. Wow. Wow. Okay, this uh this is it. This is the this is the first round battle that for me is 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 gonna be I, I'm still not even sure if I know what I'm gonna say here because uh wow. Um the long walk. Um <laughs> fuck battle royale. Fuck Hunger Games. Fuck the, the all the argument about which came first. Did she really base it on Battle Royale? Because The Long Walk came before both of those. And The Long Walk was an absolute work of art. The uh, making these young children walk until they literally collapse and die. They get they I think they get like uh, yellow cards, kind of like in soccer or something like that. If they start, you know, if they fall down and they've got so much time to get back up again. And if they get three of them in a row, they get they get shot on the spot. They've got a character named the major that's pushing them and making them continue on the walk. And, um, you know, it's all it, it, we, we don't know exactly why they're all having to do this. But I mean, come on, Battle Royale, Hunger Games. I'm sorry, but neither one of you are original ideas uh, because this did it before either one. And it did it a hell of a lot better. And I remember reading The Long Walk. I was in college at the time and I just read, you know, of course, it was a novella. So it wasn't that long. But I remember reading the whole thing in one sitting sitting there, putting down the book, and just bawling my eyes out, just absolutely crying of the despair and the depression that I felt after finishing that book. I mean, it, it was that good. But it's going against the Shawshank Redemption. And not only do you have a really, really well-written short story um, you know, about a guy that, uh, that, that has a poster that he starts digging behind to get his way out of prison that, that, that is a really well well-written, slow burn, um, you know, really, really good short story. But, I mean, come on. One of the ten best films of all time, hands down. Um, two of the best performances that I've ever seen. And, and a lot of the characters that are in that movie, 
um, you know, for example, the warden kind of overlooked, kind of underlooked a, a little bit, I think. And, um, you know, I think everybody really worked together to make that to make that film just one of my favorite films of all time. So I've got to count. You know, I can't say just book, just movie, um, but I am going to vote for uh, for Shawshank on this one. Uh, vote for Shawshank Redemption. Josh. Uh, Lance had really good arguments for the long walk. Uh, they were really good because they were all mine. Uh, I think if you take the long walk and you combine it with a running man, you really do. Like you have the Hunger Games. It's it was a huge ripoff. Um, and I, and I like the idea. Like it, I think it'd be cool if they could do a movie someday. I don't know how you do it. It'd probably be kind of boring. Um, and as as great as that is, I think this is like the first upset we're going to have. Like the first thing that should be moving on isn't going to be moving on because it's up against the Shawshank Redemption. Um, so I want to vote for the long walk, but, uh, you know, it's got to be the Shawshank Redemption. It, if this doesn't clean sweep it, nothing should clean sweep. Uh, vote for Shawshank Redemption. You know, I've never read the long walk. Uh, I, I, I probably never will. Uh, I've also never read Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, which is the short story that Shawshank is. Uh, based on, but Mike Ortiz has never even seen Shawshank Redemption. He refuses. Still to this day, correct, Mike? That is correct. Okay, just make sure you didn't fall asleep. Yeah, that was just a test, really. Yeah. Uh, Shawshank Redemption, that movie, <laughs> it's so powerful. That moment, and, and that's why they show it on TNT and A&E and all the other fucking channels a hundred times. It's for that one moment. When he finally crawls through the river of shit and he's standing out there free and it's raining on top of him and you are so happy that he's out of there. Uh, yeah, that moment. I, if, if that moment is in the book, uh, I'm going to be super happy. I may never read it because I've already seen the movie, which is why I don't read anyway. Uh, I'm voting for Shawshank Redemption. Michael? The Long Walk is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. It's one of those books where after you're done and i agree it's one of those ones where it just kind of wrecks you after you're done with it it's just like i'm not sure i'm glad i went through this but yet i am glad i went through this it it really does take that it, it's the best example of what king can do to you as a writer it's a lean mean uh, book it really is and it's uh it was actually the first thing he ever the first novel he ever wrote um it was before carrie and it got published as a richard bachman book later on but it, it's you know I, I just love it to death but it's against the shawshank redemption god damn it the the long walk would pretty much kick anything else's ass on this list with maybe one or two exceptions but you put it against the shawshank redemption that that sucks um because i can't vote against the Shawshank. i want to i want to vote against it but i can't do that and here's the funny thing the long walk has not been made into a movie um, and there's a reason for that, is that the person who has the rights to it says he wants to get to it one day. He wants to do a low-budget version of it, very extensional, weird, and kind of self-contained, and something very personal and oddball that the studios aren't necessarily going to finance, so it's going to take a while for that to finally happen. Uh, the person who has the rights to the, uh, the story is Frank Darabont, who wrote and directed The Shawshank Redemption. So... My vote for the Shawshank Redemption is sort of a vote for the future film version of The Long Walk. 
Uh, vote for Shawshank Redemption. And Paul. Well, I've seen Shawshank, read Shawshank, enjoy the story. I can't handle it being on four times every weekend. So just out of being contrary, I'm going to go with a long walk. Way to go, spite vote. <laughs> a vote for the long walk. but Shawshank- it, it is on TBS an awful lot. It's on everything an awful lot. That's why I love it. Uh, but Shawshank Redemption is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, Josh, this one is yours. It is the last fight of the first round. Wow. It's an unknown fight. It is bullied teenagers like in Carrie and in Christine versus Jared's pick, which is the uh, television program Kingdom Hospital. Okay, this really is my fight here because I put in bully teens. Um, I have no idea what Kingdom's Hospital is. Um, I just know that what... First, let me say that I was at a car show and some guy had the like the car from Christine, not the exact same one, but he had like the you know like a big movie poster, and I just thought that was cool. I just stood there and took pictures. I thought it was great. Um, but all I can think of is is when I see these movies, uh, the two of them, and I'm sure there you know there are other instances where people are bullied in movies, but you have these characters and you just want to like kick somebody's ass because you know kids are so fucking cruel and. The, the epitome of that is kids throwing tampons at a girl, having her period in the shower because she's raised by, you know, some nut job who doesn't, you know, tell her about anything. And you, oh, God, I wanted her to murder everybody right there. Um, and so, I don't know if that comes from someplace from him, but it, it really kind of just, you know, I was I was never bullied, but it's still it, it hits home with me because it, it just you you want to lash out and. uh I think that's great because in the end, you know, people get what they deserve. And uh, that that's that's awesome. So uh, I'm going to go with Bully Teens. Uh, vote for Bully Teens. Um, I'm pretty sure that Kingdom Hospital was a show on ABC. I, wanna, I, I think it was ABC. I never watched it. Uh, I'm assuming there was a hot blonde of some kind on there because, you know, Jared has a, has a type. <clears throat> um, but Bully Teenagers are, is... It, it's in more than just uh, Carrie and Christine. They're they're in it. Granted, they're preteen, but they're still bullied kids. They're kids that get bullied. Uh, he has a a hankering for people that get bullied. Like uh, the main character in Shawshank Redemption is bullied almost constantly while he's in prison. Like there's so many so many bullies out there, and they all get their comeuppance. Green Mile has a bully. That bully gets his comeuppance, but it's it, he has a thing about people being bullied, a, a, a sense of fairness. Uh, I like it, so I'm going to go with bully teenagers. Uh, Michael? Uh, yes, I'm also going to go with bully teenagers. I think he has a very good insight into the bully-victim dynamic, uh, especially in Christine. Um, I think that, for me, I really related to that. I was bullied a little bit as a kid, not dramatically so. Um, but at the same time, I really understood the whole outcast, sort of outsider, nerd, sort of person who doesn't quite fit in thing. And he, he really tapped into that very well. Uh, Kingdom Hospital, I, I watched a little bit of the show. It was an adaptation of a, a really memorable uh, Danish TV series that Lars von Trier did called The Kingdom. Um, and it was all right, but I, I didn't finish it. And I never have had the desire to go back to see any more of it. So uh, Bully Teenagers. 
Uh, vote for bully teenagers, Paul. Oh, bully teenagers are all well and good. I, I did actually see all of Kingdom Hospital. I, I liked it a great deal. Um, although, again, knowing what I know about Lars von Trier and wanting to, you know, never see anything that had his name on it ever again after Melancholia, um, <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was about to throw uh, Kingdom Hospital out when I heard it on here just now. But, you know, thinking back to it, Kingdom Hospital had an animated anteater. And I like anteaters. So I'm going to cast my vote for that. Kingdom Hospital. Oh, vote for Kingdom Hospital. Is this the first time an anteater has ever decided the vote of someone? Uh, probably. <laughs> Intriguing. Uh, Lance? Uh, yeah, de uh, definitely, uh, definitely the bully uh, teenager motif. That is something that he does really well in in a number of his books. And uh, yeah, that, yeah, I'm starting to. The more I hear Lars von Trier, the more spite I'm starting to develop because that melancholia was just an absolute piece of shit and just depressing and just went nowhere, literally. And just, I, I can take a movie that's that depressing if it's if I think it has something to say, but I just didn't find anything in there. And um, from what I hear about some, his other films, they're all kind of the same, you know, real downer motif. Kingdom Hospital, the only thing I remember about the show was they did reenact the scene where he was getting hit by the truck. I, I do remember that, and the guy was reaching back to move his dogs around and maybe grab a beer out of the 12 pack or what have you. But um, yeah, bully teenagers, that, that is definitely something King does and does well. And uh, that's where my vote's going. Bully teenagers is moving on and we'll be back. How? Right. Just, yeah. After I mean, this. Oh. <laughs> Do you know me? It's frightening how many novels of suspense I've written. But still, when I'm not recognized, it just kills me. So instead of saying I wrote Carrie, I carry the American Express card. Without it, isn't life a little scary? To apply for the card, look for an application and take one. The American Express card. Don't leave home without it. This is Curtis from CurtisCourtney.com, and you're listening to Geek Fights. And we're back doing what we do every single week, coming at you with Jarrett Formby trademark geek cred. Uh, let's see. We're going to start with Lance because I don't know what his geek cred is, and it's his first time on the show. Lance, what is your geek cred? See, oh, look, Mike's awake. I, I could just see his microphone bumping. But go ahead, Lance. Well, uh, I'll, I'll start off with this. Um, I did convince my wife uh, over the summer to during, during Comic-Con weekend to stay up with me until 3 a.m. watching Comic-Con coverage. I thought that was pretty cool, um, especially for, uh, you know, for a person who doesn't quite get it. She's, she's not quite there with us, but uh, she did stay up with me for that. Um, I was actually uh, worked the uh, convention circuits through college. I actually uh, did was a comic book dealer throughout my college years in Austin and did the comic book John conventions and a number of the other conventions around Texas and uh, have been a Trekkie literally all of my life. I, I actually uh, started watching the original series, uh, can remember watching it when I was at my grandmother's house uh, in diapers. And what I'm currently doing is going back through every Star Trek episode. I've, I've uh, gone, I'm going in chronological order though. So I've gone all the way through Enterprise and I'm now about halfway through the first uh, season of TOS. 
And uh, I guess the other uh, uh, piece of geek cred is that I have seen every single episode of every Star Trek show. And I've actually seen every single episode of Saturday Night Live from the very first one. That's a hefty amount of geek cred. And now we're going to go to you, Josh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, two weeks ago, I, I talked about my geek cred. I was um, talking about how, along with my wife and brother-in-law and father-in-law and some other friends, uh, we do paranormal investigations. Um, and I talked about how I've seen every episode of Star Trek ever made and how I love Transformers, the animated movie. Um, but uh, I think this this one right here might might take the cake. Um, my mother knows I'm a huge Trekkie, and so she chose her grandmother name uh, to be Moogie. Uh, so my mother will now be referred to as Moogie by my son, and that might be the best geek cred ever. That's pretty hardcore. I will give you that. Uh, Paul. All right. Those are two pretty hefty resumes. Um, I read comics and watch scary movies. Uh, I'm just going to leave it at that for now. Thank you very much, Mr. Kowalski. And Mr. Felsher. I would say about 11. That works. <laughs> Let's jump back into the fights. It is the Shining novel. Well, it's the Shining versus the Jaunt. Um, I think I'm still going to go with the Jaunt. Uh, Michael? Uh, I've got to go with the Shining. It's quintessential King. I mean, when it's when it comes right down to it, there's only a couple things. Whenever you see Stephen King's name, if they actually have to feel like they need to identify who that is for the four people on the planet who don't know, in parentheses, you'll see either Carrie or The Shining or The Shawshank Redemption. So you can't really, and it is a brilliant novel. It's one of those novels that I can go back to at the drop of a hat. Um, the Jaunt's great, nothing against The Jaunt, but it's The Fucking Shining. All right, the fucking shining gets a vote, Paul. Well, I, I, it's tough pitting like full novel length against short story because I mean you can. It's easy. I think it's easier to make a short story well, and I think that sort of suits his writing style. Not that The Shining's by anywhere, any means, his long one of his long works. Um, John's got a great end. Um, but as far as something that sort of holds up all the way through, uh, I'm I'm going with the fucking shining. Also, uh, vote for the fucking shining, Lance. Actually, yeah, this is a um, very much a battle of one of uh, one of Stephen King's best novels versus one of Stephen King's absolute best short stories. So it's it's kind of a tough one. Um, I will go for the shining because it's a novel, I guess, but I can be swayed. You will not. A vote for The Shining and Josh. All right, Lance, I am going to sway you right here with some huge geek logic. Maybe not geek logic, but look at it this way. The Shining is 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 a great work. It's it's you know arguably one of Stephen King's uh, uh, best novels. Uh, but when you get down to even though the jaunt is a short story, the idea behind that of being trapped with yourself for that long. Um, and just having it drive you crazy, uh, knowing that there's absolutely no way out of your mind, um, th that's scary. And that, I mean, that kind of happens too when people have surgery and uh, they have the anesthesia that, that knocks them out, but it doesn't actually like 
make them unconscious. And so here they are going through surgery and they can feel everything, but they can't communicate. Um, that's what, that's what the jaunt is. And, uh, that's, I mean, that's a huge mind fuck to know that you're just in your own mind and you're going crazy. And then when you finally come out of it, you're just so far gone that, you know, bad shit happens to you. Um, I can't imagine that happening. That that's, that's terrible. That's, that's like a pretty psychologically freaky thing. So I'm going to go with the jaunt. Uh, vote for the jaunt. Lance, were you swayed? I'm going to change my vote. So am I. The Shining is moving on. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking Shining. <laughs> the fucking Shining is into the next the round. Shining. We are on to our next fight. <laughs> Michael, this one is yours. It is the Mist versus Rage. Uh, just kind of discussing the plight of the short story versus the novel the problem was the short story as brilliant as it was was against the fucking shining in the weird i feel the reverse is the case here rage is a great novel but it's against the mist and that is for me the epitome of stephen king's short story or novella form i mean it, it has everything you could possibly want there's not an ounce of fat on that story it is a lean cruel twisted and just terrifying story. And what really gets me about that is that not so much the creatures and the weird sort of uh, ultra-dimensional rift that gets constructed in that story. It's the people in the, in the shopping center that are the most interesting because we get to see what happens to people under these circumstances. Now, and I've said this before. If there was a, a hurricane outside or a terrorist attack or anything that they could wrap their minds around, they would not react the way that they do because it doesn't question their sense of reality or their belief in a god. It doesn't shake them to their core. It would freak them out, and they would you know, react accordingly. But when these weird creatures are coming out and these things that they cannot comprehend that clearly destroys their tenuous grip on reality, people lose their shit. Some are able to rise up and defeat it, but then other people de-evolve into these just insane, you know, not even... They're not even human beings anymore. They're just these, like you know, prehistoric, just bundles of nerves and random thoughts. It's really fascinating shit. And uh, to me, they're the scariest things in that story. So, yeah, Rage is great, but The Mist is uh, is a masterpiece. Uh, vote for The Mist, Paul. Yeah, I, I'll I'll agree with everything Michael said about The Mist. It's the way it's put together is great, but I think where it comes down to like a best of Best of Stephen King here. Mist is fantastic, but basically the Mist is a Stephen King homage to Lovecraft. It's, I mean, between the, the dimensional stuff and the monsters out of nowhere and the uh, set blood sacrifice angle, it's a great story, but I think it's his take on someone else, whereas Rage was an original thing to, to him and where he was coming from at the time. So I have to go with Rage. Uh, vote for Rage, Lance. Yeah, that uh, the Lovecraft uh, theme is exactly what was going through my mind while we were talking about this this time, and uh, it it very much is an homage to Lovecraft. There's no doubt. But for a book that really wasn't a novel, uh, I mean, I guess it was uh, between a short story and a novel. It was considered a novella. Um, <laughs> there was a lot going on in that book. 
And um, yeah, the the breakdown of society and just how and you know what it it kind of goes back I think a little bit to the Twilight Zone uh, episode that uh, that you guys had a couple of weeks ago and uh, the the episode that that won that and it's kind of the same concept here with just society just just how just how easily we're broken down and uh, turned into into savages again from fear and, and the unknown like that. So yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going with the miss. I really didn't get that much out of the rage, uh, out of rage when I read it. I, um, I just kind of found it to be, you know, kind of an interesting story about a, about a sick kid. But uh, yeah, the mist, I, I got a lot out of, so I'm going to vote for that. A vote for the mist, Josh. Yeah, it, it's got to be the mist. Uh, you know, the, at the heart of that story, it's something that's been told over and over again, but it's it comes down to the fact that, you know, no matter what's going on, human beings, we're going to be our own worst enemies. It's it's in our DNA. It doesn't matter what we're up against. We're always going to, you know, we're always going to be, you know, humans and we're always going to, you know, not be able to, 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 to get it together and try to work together and whatever, whatever scary thing it is, you know, it, it's always going to be us, you know, versus us. Um, it's going to be the mist. Uh, that, that made absolutely no sense. Uh, it's fine. Oh, I totally understood. Us versus us and your little baby Jack. Uh, a vote for the mist. And uh, I, too, will vote for the mist, but uh, for the movie, for him shooting his kid in the head. And the mist is moving on. <laughs> We're on to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. Physical fight, if you want it to be, it is Randall Flag versus Roland Deshane or Deshane or whatever. Indeed, I, I mean, again, you've got no, number one, basically number one villain versus number one hero um, in, in his entire body of work. There, um, yeah, fl- the the walking dude is a bad man, but just there's there's something so much more complete about the story that gets told about. Uh, the gunslinger. I mean, you, you've got his whole life story there, and it, it's a great story. And you know, as you find out, it just it the way time works there. It literally does last basically forever um, before it gets to the end and sort of gets going again. Um, so I have to go with Roland over Flag. A uh, vote for Roland Lance. Well, this uh, this actually is a a very very good match um, because uh, and it did come down to, down to this, uh, which was foreshadowed earlier in the episode, and it is uh, it is Roland versus uh, versus Randall Flag. It's good versus evil, and um, it it it. I think in a physical fight, I don't know what would happen. There's there's two authors that I that I read a lot of, and that I would say that absolutely anything can happen. Anybody could die, whether they be hero, villain, main character, good guy, bad guy. Those two authors are George R. R. Martin and Stephen King, um, because you never know what's going to happen. So I can't come right out and say that, you know, Roland Deschain would win a battle between these two. I mean, who's to say Stephen King wouldn't let his evil side out that that particular day that he was that he was writing the ending to that? Um, so since we are talking Stephen King here and we are talking horror and we are in the Halloween season, I'm going to go with the bad guy. I'm going to, going to vote for flag here. Uh, vote for Randall flag, Josh. 
Uh, I can't remember where I read this. It's probably been said a bunch of times, but a lot of people say that with Stephen King characters, nobody's completely good and nobody's completely evil. So I think drawing the line and saying this guy is no, definitely not a bad guy, this guy is definitely a good guy, uh, I don't like to do that. Um, Flag seems to be an incarnation of a lot of other uh, other villains uh, throughout his writing. Um, you know, we just talked about it. If, if a guy can shoot his kid in the head at the end of a movie and that's how it ends then yeah, the bad guy can win. So I'm going to go with Flag. Uh, vote for Flag. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would tie it up to make it interesting, but I'm not going to. Uh, I, I got to vote for Randall Flag. I, I like the character more than the Gunslinger because I, I don't really know the Gunslinger very well. So I'm, I'm going to go with Randall Flag, but I might be swayed by Mr. Felcher. You will not. Randall Flag. Randall Flag into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Lance, this one is yours. It is Jordy versus the Dark Half. Well, Jordy is fun for what he is, and he's a hell of a great character. And um, St- Stephen King all- always does a really, really good job of, uh, of of popping up in these movies and the little cameos. I mean, who who can forget in Maximum Overdrive? You know, hey, honey, this ATM called me an asshole. You know, I mean, that that's Stephen King. He loves to poke fun of himself. And, um, yeah, I, I think Jordy Barrel was just a fantastic character and in a super, super fun movie. Um, but, I mean, at the end of the day, the dark half, I mean, the dark half is Stephen King. I mean, the dark half is 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 one of the is one of the best and most important novels that he's that he's written. And quite honestly, probably one of the two or three better King movie adaptations. So, yeah, Dark Half. Uh, vote for the Dark Half. Oh, wait, you don't think Sleepwalkers? Isn't that the, the, the one? Yeah, we're the moving cast? on, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> Josh? Jesus. Uh, I can't bring myself to vote for a human Chia pet. Um, the Dark Half has, uh, has the aspect of the whole vanishing twin thing. And, uh, you know, it's been in the news a lot lately people have used it for excuses for blood doping and cycling or whatever but it's it's a it's an interesting concept a twist on the whole uh multiple personality thing it kind of explains it a little bit uh with science um and that's something he wrote that after he he got clean um right am i correct yes that was like the one of the first things after he got clean yeah i believe it was right at that time yeah uh, so, I mean, if you're going to look at anything that he wrote that he really, I mean, you had to like dig deep into, to, you know, personal demons, you know, and something that we kind of, you know, we didn't see him go through it, but he was going through it very recently. Um, you know, that book's full of, full of a lot of personal stuff, a lot of heart. Um, I don't see how you can not vote for that. I'm going with half dark or dark, sorry, dark uh, half, half dark. Yeah. You can tell I have not gotten a lot of sleep in the, the last couple of days. Well, you do have a newborn child, so it's it's perfectly fine. A uh, vote for the dark half. Um, yeah, I, I can vote for a cheer pet, uh, uh, Stephen King. So I'm I'm gonna vote for Jordy. Michael. Oh, this is tough. I dearly love Jordy Barrel. I really do, but I, I don't. You know. The thing about the dark half is it's an I still feel it's an underrated work of his, both as a novel and as a movie. I don't think it gets quite the respect it deserves, and it really is it's autobiographical 
in some respects, but obviously there's you know some very fantastical elements to it. And it's also a very brutal uh, fight between the good creative side of your soul and, and, and the idea of, well, if you don't have that evil, sick fuck part of you, can you be a good writer? Is that where the good stuff comes from or is it a combination of the two? And it's a really interesting exploration of that. And the movie does a really good job of bringing that out as well. Plus, it has one of the creepiest images uh, of any adaptation of King's work when the the young kid is first being operated on to find out what's wrong with him, and they take a piece of his skull off, and an eyeball opens up on his brain. And it's one one of those moments where you're just like, oh, Jesus, why did I need to see that? And it it just, it was really, really amazingly well done. It's a, a very underrated film. And since it doesn't specify the movie or the novel i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna vote for both and say the dark half uh vote for the dark half and paul it jordy Verrill, it's a great it, it's a great bit i mean but it it's kind of one note and there and and that's what it's intended to be but when put up against something that is much more substantive as a whole yeah i have to go with the dark half the dark half of moving on through into the next round we are on I would, I would like to vote for half dark as being some sort of a weird disney film okay it, like, it sounds like a remake of soul man he's he's not half white or <laughs> half dark <laughs> oh soul man i'm still amazed that he movie still exists how did that movie get made <laughs> in the 80s seriously how did that fucking movie get made? i don't know he's in black how place. did they get how did they get james earl jones to be in it is money the, is lots, the and lots of money uh, well oh, see we always think of james earl jones as bigger than he is because he's darth vader but he he he, he didn't really do that much great he'll stuff take a, he'll take a job yeah he'll, he'll take money he, he dressed up as a locust once he 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 was in fucking Conan. That was a fucking piece of shit. Oh, anyway, was a snake and as a locust. We are on to our next fight, Josh. This one is yours. It is Pet Cemetery versus Misery. I wrote down Pete Cemetery. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Misery, like like John, which didn't move on. Misery's scary when you start to think about it, because as you said, Damon. I mean, you're in you're in the age of Facebook, where anybody can stalk you, but. You know, here's a person who shouldn't be like a psycho who shouldn't, you know, be keeping somebody at their house and then and, and torturing them and, and, you know, in that way. But they are. And it's not like, you know, it's not like you're in somebody's dungeon, like in Silence of the Lambs. You're just in this, you know, nice lady's house and, you know, she's got you all tied up and, you know, it, it's it's fucked up. Like it shouldn't that shouldn't be happening, but it is. Um, and that's what makes it really scary. Uh Pet Cemetery. I, I still don't really know what the movie's about. I know a cat comes back to life after it's dead, um, and that's kind of scary. But overall, like you know, a, a demon cat doesn't scare me as much as like a demon dog would scare me. So uh, I'm going to go with Misery. Uh, vote for Misery. I'm pretty sure that it's the Pet Cemetery. Anything that you bury in that cemetery that's dead comes back to life. If I'm not mistaken, that was the basic premise. I don't remember exactly. But Misery, uh, I think uh, we as men find it a little bit more terrifying than a woman would because women tend to have to deal with that on a daily basis of the potential of somebody being bigger, stronger than you and doing taking or doing something to you that you don't want done to you. As men, we have a luxury of not having to think about that. And Misery 
is a story about having to think about that as a man. A woman abducting you and doing fucked up things to you. Uh, it's terrifying. So uh, I'm going to vote for Misery. Michael? Uh, yeah, nothing against Misery, but I'm going for Pet Cemetery and more so for the movie uh, than the novel. The novel is great, and it's a very sad novel. The, the, the thing about the, the story for Pet Cemetery is about dealing with loss and your inability to move past someone that you love being gone. And it haunts the character of Judd, who's there before the Creeds move in. And then after the Creeds lose their cat and their son, the husband is eventually driven mad by the fact that he can't let go. And he wants to keep bringing them back. But sometimes that is better. Um, that's truth. And it's, it's, the movie has a lot of problems, but it was a scary fucking movie. I remember seeing that in the theater opening weekend, and it was just terrifying. And it was really messed up. The, the, the little kid, uh, Miko Hughes, was only like maybe two or three at the time he played the part. How he managed to, to convey the emotions of a reanimated, homicidal, in, you know, almost infant. I don't know how he pulled it off. And the, it, the movie has so many memorable images and the, the great performance of Fred Gwynn. Uh, I, I just think that for me, there's a somber, weird, just almost elegant nature of the of, of the of the loss that permeates through that whole movie and then the book i don't know I, it's something that's always i found very intriguing and king wrote it at a very interesting point in his life and it you can really feel that when you read the book and see the movie as well because he also wrote the screenplay uh for the movie so as much as i love misery uh nothing against misery i'm i'm just going with my gut and going for pet cemetery uh, vote for Pet Cemetery. Isn't that the one with Edward Furlong? I'm joking. No, it's number two. I know, I know. I, I was just going to keep rehashing things like Sleepwalkers and Pet Cemetery. Uh, Paul. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love Misery. I love the book. I love the film. Um, the, the moment where Kathy Bates won the Best Actress Oscar and the entire audience actually gasped audibly on air is one of my favorite TV moments ever. Um, but that said, Pet Cemetery is such, it is so bent as a book. This, this, the way they get into things, and yes, it is about loss, but just how far around the bend uh, the father goes um, in the film. Uh, again, the, the little kid is great. Uh, Fred Gwynn is awesome. I mean, he really, he just nails that Northeastern vibe completely. I, I say this not ever having lived there, so feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, that whole vibe is awesome. And from what I understand, that is the only book that Stephen King ever stopped, basically just put in a drawer. Because after talking to his wife and everything, he's like, okay, this is just too much. And then eventually brought it out several years later. So I have to go with Pet Cemetery. Uh, vote for Pet Cemetery. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Lance. Which one takes the win? Well, you know, you're talking about that uh, Fred Gwynn getting the accent down like that. I, I remember reading the book Pet Cemetery, and we've still got kind of an in joke in our family. We always refer to root beer as rut beer, and we always say, "Oh uh, yeah," <laughs> and got that got that right out of the book. But um, you know, these are both uh, really, really excellent novels. These are both extremely deep in in subject matter. 
I mean, any anybody who has had a child or a grandchild, uh, I mean, my God, Pet Cemetery is just so haunting because, you know, who, who's to say you wouldn't do that if you had a chance to, uh, you know, to, br- to bring someone, you know, totally innocent back like that who, who died from, you know, no fault of their own that, that had really not, uh, you know, developed a lot of sins in life. And still had that innocence and, and, and got run over by, you know, by a truck that was that was going on the road like that. Who, who's to say I wouldn't? Who's to say you wouldn't? Um, I mean, it's just a very, very deep and very sad and very poignant story. And um, Misery, I mean, good Lord, Misery was just so well written. Um, the, the, the film was was very well acted. And until you had mentioned that, uh, I had I had forgotten about Bates winning winning the Oscar. And and well deserved, very well deserved it was. So so this is like a really really super tough one for me. Um, God, I guess I guess I've got to think more about what how I felt when I read the original books. I've, I guess I've, this is the best of Stephen King, so I've got to take the movies out of it. Um, you know, even though he did he did write the screenplay for for one of them, and he obviously contributed to the other. Um, ah. I think Pet Cemetery hit me a little bit harder. I, I believe that when I was reading it, even though Misery, don't get me wrong, Misery hit me right in the gut. It, it was a very well-written book. The movie was excellent. Um, I'm just going to lean a little bit more toward Pet Cemetery here. And Pet Cemetery takes the win. We I are- know it's moving on, Damon, but he went ahead and he swayed me. I, I, I got to vote for Pet Cemetery now. Fuck Word. you. Word. Pet Cemetery moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, Damon, this one is you. Oh, shit, I'm Damon. It is Richard Bachman versus the Green Mile. Uh, it's easy as shit for me. It's the Green Mile. If only for the moment at the end of the movie, because like I said, I didn't read the book, where um, Mr. Bojangles is still alive. And uh, you're like, wow, that's kind of fucked up. And, to, and, and, and you think it's a little fucked up. But it's super fucked up when you actually think about it. Because Mr. Bojangles is a, a, a field mouse, and field mice generally live two, maybe three years tops. This mouse has lived for 70 years. How long is the Tom Hanks character now going to live? If a, he, he extended the life of a field mouse by, what, what is that, 7, 8, 20, 100%? Yes, I know that's an, a nonsensical number. How long does the Pontius Pilate of this have to live with what he did way back in the 40s uh maybe maybe all all the way into the next century maybe too so uh yeah i like i like the green mile a lot so i'm gonna go green mile michael i love the green mile i I can't say anything bad about the green mile but with richard bachman i tend to look at this as our chance to kind of recognize everything he did as richard bachman um Rage, Long Walk, Road Work, Running Man, Thinner, uh, even the ones that he published after the revelation of him as Richard Bachman, which I think the regulators and uh, Blaze a few years ago. I, I just think that we shouldn't overlook not only the, the idea behind why he did the Richard Bachman ones, but the ones that got put out under the name. Some amazing books, and we've already set most of them packing, so I it collectively... I can't go against Richard Bachman at this point. I really would like to see him stay in the race. So, Richard Bachman for me. Uh, vote for the Bachman. Paul? 
I will second the vote for the Bachman. I like uh, I like Green Mile as much as anybody, but I think that that whole period in his career is really interesting. And again, it's an experiment that few authors are willing to even try. I mean, usually somebody goes the whole pseudonym route. It's you know right when they're getting started or something else. So yeah, Bachman. A vote for Bachman, Lance. Yeah, Bachman had a lot of really, really good books. Uh, see, there I am thinking of him as a, as an actually different person. I mean, I mean, I mean, the illusion was that complete. I actually think of it as two different people. Um, but yeah, he he wrote a lot of great books under Bachman. But I mean, we're talking about John Coffee here, and John Coffee, like the drink, one of the absolute best characters that he's ever that he's ever come up with. I mean, you talk about a tragic, tragic character. And an absolutely innocent character. And, you know, I hadn't even really thought about the Jesus Christ thing, Damon, until you brought it up. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely going to go with the Green Mile here. I still love blowing people's minds with that. A vote for the Green Mile. It is all tied up. It comes down to you there, Josh. Which one takes the win? Uh, well, you know, first of all, if if there was a Jesus, he probably would have been black because he was Middle Eastern. So it doesn't blow my mind at all, Damon. Uh, I'm actually quite comfortable with that idea. Uh, I, I think we're really like, I think we're focusing on the actual movie, the green mile. Uh, and, and, and I respect the fact that King wanted to, to step out of his persona and start to write and maybe try to, you know, kind of get that of, you know, that idea of like, do people really like me? Like try to publish some stuff and, and see where it goes. Um, but the Green Mile is a movie like I watch, and I don't say it makes me cry, but when when the guy steps on the mouse, like you want to be in the movie, and you just want to punch him in the head, and then you just want to stomp him to death, like it, it is it's horrible. It's it shows like the best of humanity and 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 like the worst, and it does it it doesn't do it in like a, a, a hit you in the face kind of way. It's it's you know it's 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 mellow. Um, it just the you know the the. The pure evil of that guy, and and like just the kindness of people, it shows you the the full spectrum of humanity, uh, and I think that's what makes it great. It, it just you know it's it's it, you know to sound you know like I'm I'm getting all sentimental here, but it really it really moves you uh, to be able to see that. And guy Green Mile, a vote for the Green Mile. Uh, we're on to our next fight. Michael, this one is yours. Well, Green Mile is moving on. Uh, it is, uh, well, Stand By Me by versus Hit by a Trucker. Or a Trucker. Truck. Ugh. I uh, I don't know how you compare these two things. Um, they're very, obviously, very different experiences. Um, uh, yeah, this is, the, what a weird fight. Look, at the end of the day, the, be the being hit by the truck thing is an amazing thing that he's had to endure and survive. Um, but it's a it's a negative thing. It's a horrible accident that should never have happened. Stand by me is one of those things where it's a great story and a typical King story. And it was the first thing that ever came, the, the movies, but stand by me was the first thing that ever came along that really gave people an idea that Stephen King was something other than a guy who wrote about, uh, killer dogs and possessed cars. Uh, I mean, for those who were fans of his, they already knew that. But for the, the casual viewer, you know, it was shit like Children of the Corn and The Shining and Carrie. I mean, Salem's Lot. They understood King is a horror guy. 
when Stand By Me came out, there were people who went to that movie who had no idea Stephen King had anything to do with it. When his name popped up on screen, they're like, oh, shit, what the hell do we do? Why are we here? Something bad's going to happen. And then they watched this wonderful movie, and they're like, well, wait a minute. What's this? So I think it actually won King a whole nother side of fandom that he would not have had otherwise because no one knew that he was capable of doing something that didn't involve someone you know, dying horribly every five seconds, even though ostensibly this is about uh, a dead kid riding by the railroad tracks, but again, not really. So I, I got to give it to Stand By Me because without Stand By Me, I don't think that Hollywood would have looked later on and gone, well, let's do that prison story about the two guys who are in there and how they age throughout the years and the one guy who escapes. I don't think they would have gone for that. So I'm, I'm going to go with Stand By Me. Uh, vote for Stand By Me, Paul. Well, when Stand By Me came out, I was right about that same age as the characters in the film. And it's, it, it, it just sort of gets you because for, I, I believe when it was released, it's an, it was an, it was an R rated film for language and whatever else, but it was just such a natural, I mean, those were like 10, uh, 11, 12 or 13 year old kids right there. I mean, that was, you know, about, about as, as real as it sort of gets. And he's got so much material that goes from the fantastic, you know, again, looking back at stuff like the mist and whatever else, but then yet these are just four boys doing doing what boys do, and it it's a powerful story. It's a very real story. Um, not that getting hit by a truck isn't a real story either, but I think that really it, it says a lot about where he's coming from. So I'm going with Stand by Me. Uh, vote for Stand by Me, Lance. Yeah, you know, I am uh, I'm really disappointed that the stand went out in the first round. I mean, as as great of a novel as that was by one of the greatest writers of our time, for it to go out in the first round, I mean, it's just just completely unfair. So, you know, I'm obviously Stand by Me was a was a great story, a great film. I'm not I'm not, you know, not saying anything against that. But you know, I guess Spite has to yeah, at some point in in, in a geek fight, Spite has to come into the picture. So, you know what? Fuck it. Being hit by a truck. A vote for hit by a truck. Josh. Uh, I'm not going to vote for being hit by a truck for spite. Um, but I will vote for it because, you know, here's a guy who's incredibly talented and draws off of um, his experiences and can, you know, write in, in so many different ways. And, you know, here's something tragic happens to him. And, you know... I mean, you knew before, you know, he started writing after that, that he was going to take that experience and he was going to use it and he was going to use it to pump out, you know, new stuff, you know, taken from that experience. It's the whole whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so voting for it, being hit by a truck isn't just voting for the accident. It's for anything that comes after it that he drew on that from. Um, that being said, Stand By Me is a story of innocence lost. And, uh, you know, you see that in you see that in other other uh, King novels and movies and stuff. Uh, you just don't see it in, in, in a way that it's, you know, there's creepy stuff like in it. Um, it's, it's just more of a down to earth, um, realistic movie that everybody can, uh, you know, associate with. Um, and for that, I've got to go with Stand By Me, even oh. though I said I was going to go by it with the truck. <laughs> I just talked myself into it. 
Okay. Yeah, I, I got. I was like, "Wow, what did you just do to yourself?" I geek logic the hell out of myself right there. Well, at least you had the decency to tell us who you were voting for. A certain person who will not go name uh, who will not go name is probably asleep. Once did that and failed to tell us what he was voting for. Uh, he's done that way more than yeah, once. much more than once. Oh, he's awake. Eh? No, he wasn't asleep. I could tell. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I too will be voting for Stand by Me. I will uh, say my arguments for it. Oh wait, no, I'm going to say it now because yeah, in the, ne- <clears throat> in the next round, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah, it's not it's it's not a downer story. It's not even a, it, it. It's a story about a journey that four boys take. Uh, nobody loses their innocence because most of them had already lost their innocence by the time the story starts. The only one that's innocent is uh, the Jerry O'Connell character. I can't remember his name. Everybody else Burn. had Vern. Vern. Everybody else had something in their life that was fucked up. Their innocence had been lost before that. Vern's innocence is lost at the end when he sees the dead body. But everybody else had already had a scenario. Uh, the, the main character loses his brother in Korea or Vietnam? Korea. Uh, uh, Corey Feldman, you know, his father's a nut job who burns his ear. Uh, River Phoenix's uh, character comes from a, a bad, just a horrible home. So, you know, all of that stuff is already there. No, those kids didn't lose their innocence. They were regaining their innocence by just being kids for a weekend. Uh, well, no, I think the story is it, it, it ties that all in. So, yeah, one kid loses his innocence at the end, but it's about, you know, it's about the process of them losing their innocence. I mean, you know, their experiences with, yeah, their stepfather, losing their brother. It's, you know, it's... It, it, Losing their innocence isn't isn't the end all be all of the story. It's not the journey that they lose their innocence at the end. It's that journey going through that process of losing your innocence. It's like holding on to that last little bit of being a kid and going on that that journey. And, and having that's, an awesome that's tree what fort. I think. <laughs> and and having an awesome tree fort. But Stand by Me is moving on. The only reason I had to say something about Stand by Me now is because we're on to our next fight. It's Shawshank Redemption versus Bully Teens. I have a feeling one one is probably going to make it through. Uh, Paul? Well, uh, eh, Bully Teen, Shawshank. I, 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 know, I know which way the wind's blowing on this. Um, Shawshank is a great high point uh, in Stephen King's both the film and the written career. However, I think as a looking at it as a body of work, I believe the bullied teenager is probably more integral to what got him to where he's at. Um, you know, that sort of dis and, and that sort of like, you know, disaffected stomped on person. You get that in Shawshank as well, but going back through, you know, again, Carrie, Christine, all these things, I think it fits better as the adolescent than as the, the adult, you know, person done wrong. I think it's more poignant that way, I guess. It's something more people can relate to because some people have completely functional adult lives and they weren't, you know, the stepped on person. Um, I don't think hardly anyone gets through adolescence without being stepped on. So I'm going to go with teenagers over Shawshank. Uh, Vote for bully teenagers. Lance. Very well said, Paul. Very well said. And uh, yeah, you're you're right. That's uh, the bully teenager aspect is is a huge part of the Stephen King mythos, and and it always has been. 
Um, you know, but all that being said, Shawshank Redemption. And again, I'm, I'm talking about the short story, but I'm also talking about the film. And there's a couple of scenes in that in that film, and I'm sure they're in the story, but they're, they seem more poignant in the film for some reason that really stick out. And one is one one scene in particular is when they're all up there working together on the roof and they're able to pass around and share a couple of six packs of beer. And they probably drink one beer each, but it makes them actually feel like human beings just for that short period of time. And they're, you know, they're in the belly of the beast. And for that short amount of time, they feel like they're kings of the earth and they're and they're on top of everything. The other part that I really remember is when the um, the, the warden of the jail is just absolutely treating it, treating the guys like dirt. And that, you know, again, the performance of I, I can't think of the name of the actor who played the warden, but I've Bob seen him Gunn. a lot. What, uh, what's that? Bob Gunton played him. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's great. He's great. Every, everything I've seen him in, he, he's just been excellent. But but that role in particular just really got to me and just hit me in the gut. And um, just the feeling of being under somebody's boot like that and just not being able to get out of it. And then the feeling at the end of getting out of it and literally crawling through shit to get out of it. And then the resolution at the very end where he leaves the message for his friend is just so poignant. Uh, I got to go for Shawshank. Uh, Vote for Shawshank. Josh. Uh, I'm surprised actually bully teenagers teenagers got a vote here. Um, but, uh, which everything, everything Lance just said is, is, is spot on. Um, and I'll just add this. Here's a guy who's in prison who shouldn't be. And, you know, it's one of those situations where like, you know, a lot of people, their spirits would be broken and his isn't. And that's kind of like the, the triumph of the human spirit. And, uh, you know, I guess you see that with the bullied teens, but it was done in Shawshank in such a such a very artistic and moving way. It's, you know, as a work, it, it's it's better than Christine. It's better than Carrie, um, even though the concept in those movies is, is kind of the same. So Shawshank. Uh, vote for Shawshank. My last name is Shaw. See? Um, <laughs> Don't get shanked. I've already been shanked twice. Um, <laughs> the reason why Paul, uh, Paul, Paul is just voting against Shawshank Redemption every round. I don't think you, uh, so far, it's twice now. He voted for the long walk, and he's now voting for Bully Teens, which is fine. He's got something against Shawshank Redemption being on, uh, probably right now. Let me, let me check my, uh, I'll check my guide in the next round, because, uh, Shawshank Redemption is moving on. I'm going to vote it's, for Shawshank Redemption. It's, ju- it's just not my. I don't. I don't view it. At, 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 I don't put it on the same pedestal. I, I'm just. I can't I know, do it. I know. Why? I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. I'm just saying you keep voting against it, Michael. Uh, you know that was actually. I, I think the Bully Teens uh, thing actually was quite interesting because really, when you think about it, those characters and those pers- you know that archetype is something that King has gone to the well of many times, uh, not just in Carrie and Christine, but it. I mean, there's a lot of different, and he does it so well. I think that's the thing. They're not just stereotypes, those characters. And I related to that immensely well. Um, Growing up when I first discovered King, I related to those characters, and it was really nice to know that there was someone out there who understood that, not just from an external point of view, but someone who had gone through it and knew that, 
you know, these bully kids, we're not saints either. We're human beings. We have the same faults as anybody else, but it was more just because of the way we looked and because we didn't fit in with the norm that we were treated that way. It had really nothing to do with us personally. And he really got that. And that was something that was not, that's not easy to get across. A lot of other writers have tried and failed, and he, he consistently gets that right. The problem is I just have an image of all these wonderful bully teens having to take it up the ass now by this huge epic dick that is the Shawshank Redemption um, because at the end of the day, the Shawshank Redemption is absolutely brilliant. Uh, it is magnificent in every form. I mean, I could go on and on about it, but I can save it for later. But the bully teens are just going to have to get ass raped by the Shawshank Redemption here. Uh, vote for Shawshank Redemption. And while Michael was talking, uh, Shawshank Redemption will have been on Saturday, <laughs> uh, October 13th at 4 p.m. on A&E, and then again on Sunday, October 14th, or 13th and 14th at 10 a.m. So yeah, Shawshank Redemption is always on. <laughs> <laughs> if, it's not, if it's not a law and order, it's Shawshank Redemption. Exactly. Good point. Uh, but we are at our first fight. We're spotting the final four. We're, we're there, folks. Lance, this one is yours. It is The Shining versus The Mist. It's The Fucking Shining. The Fucking uh, Shining. I apologize, yeah. you cunt. Oh, tough. T- pretty tough. Pretty tough uh, match here. Um, uh, again, The Shining was uh, the very first novel I ever read. I was 10 years old, and I, and I read The Shining. And um, yeah, it, it affected me so deeply that, that I hated the film when I saw the film because it was so different from the book. The Mist is, again, I had the video game, it, it, text game, whatever you want to call it, and, and, I read the, and I read the short story a long time ago, and, and the movie was phenomenal. One of those few movies that really gets it right. I mean, it was just dead on. So, you know, really, really tough battle here. Um, dare I go with physical fight? Um, <laughs> how, how would one go with physical fight on this one? Uh, I guess the creatures from the Cthulhu mythos, very much like the Cabin in the Woods film at the very end, would kind of wipe out all of humanity. So I'll go for the mist. Way to wreck it for everybody. Actually, no. If you really haven't seen Cabin in the Woods by now, you're a fucking asshole. A vote for the mist. Josh? I think at heart, these two movies are uh, are pretty similar because they're about isolation and the people around you being the enemy, not not what's outside. Um, and I hate to say it, uh, even because I love the mist. Uh, I love the concept. I love the f- thinking about being you know trapped in a grocery store and being able to eat whatever you want. Um, with the shining, you know, it's it's somebody who's trapped, and you know, their the their enemy is is their father. You know, and it's I know it's a, a it's kind of an analogy for alcoholism, but yeah, that's scary. The person who's there who's supposed to protect you in this big old haunted hotel is the person who's trying to kill you. Um, that's kind of fucked up. Uh, so the medium-sized dick that is The Shining is fucking the mist in the ass. A vote for The Shining. Um, but you know, you know what I think? I think The Mist likes it. I think The Mist uh, likes it up the ass. And it's fine with it. And uh, the, the Mist is like, more power to me. Uh, the, the Mist is a fabulous story. Um, I've listened to the audiobook. Yes, I listen to lots of audiobooks. 
and I've actually seen the movie. Um, I, I like it better than I like The Shining. Plain and simple. That's just how I am. So I, I'm going to vote for The Mist. Michael? Uh, I can't choose between these two. These are the two Stephen King works that I go back to the most often. I read The Mist at least once a year, and I read The Shining at least once a year. Because uh, it's like an old friend. You, you know, I can't I can't choose between those two. Um, that's, but here's the, if I have to bring any other elements into it, I mean, the shinings had two adaptations. The, the Kubrick movie is one of my favorite films. And I go back to that one all the time too, for very different reasons, even though, as I've stated before, and I think even the most ardent fan of uh, Stanley Kubrick's film would agree. It's not really a very faithful adaptation of the book in either plot or tone or character. But it gets, man, is it a, it's, an, it's an incredible work of art, though, in its own right. And I thought so highly of the missed adaptation up until the last 15 minutes. And I know a lot of people love that ending and love the fact that Frank Darabont wrote an, an ending that, because the ending in the story really couldn't work for the movie. I understood that. I knew that they had to change that because it, it wasn't going to provide that release that the audience needed. But Frank Darabont stepped up, and God bless him, he said, I'm not going to go with a conventional, safe, happy ending here. I'm going to follow this through and give the audience if it, a really mean motherfucking ending. The problem was is I didn't think the movie earned it. The character didn't earn it, and I found it to be a really off-putting, nasty, kind of like a ha-ha-ha, fuck you to not only the character but the audience too and it really turned me off so much so that i have not revisited the movie since and i was fucking loving it up until the end i I thought the decision for him to kill his whole family and everybody in the car happened so quickly it was almost laughable i can buy the fact that he would come to that conclusion that they would all come to that conclusion because do you want to die quickly or be torn apart by a bunch of uh you know interdimensional monsters I know what I would choose, but literally they run out of gas. They're like, huh? Well, bummer. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? <coughs> I was like, whoa, slow the fuck down for a couple seconds. And then he gets out of the car and then guess what? These assholes in flame suits are battling the mist back to, I don't know how the fuck they're doing that. And then the woman who left the shopping center early against everyone's advice drives by in like a survivor's bus. And they're all like, ha ha, you killed your kid. You didn't need to do it. You're such an asshole. And (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck? Well, fuck you movie. And I, I have not, I mean, I love downer endings. I love endings that have a, a real edge to them, but as far as I'm concerned, Frank Darabont got up and he swung for the fences, but the bat flew out of his hand and killed every sweet person in the fucking <laughs> stands. I really, I, have, I do not like it, and it, it's going to tip the scales in the favor of The Shining for me because I had such a negative reaction to that. So, Shining. Oh, vote for The Shining. It is all I'm changing, ti- my, vote. I'm changing my vote. You're, you're changing your vote to The Shining? Absolutely. The Shining all the way. Uh, okay, then, uh, Paul. Well, I hadn't seen the film version of The Mist yet. I don't think I'm going to. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame, though, because so much of it is so good. But uh, I'll just say this. You've always been the caretaker here, Mr. Torrance. The Shining. And The Shining is into the final four. 
We are on to our next fight. Josh, this one is yours. It is Randall Flag versus the Dark Half. Uh, I'm not even going to try to make a, an argument for a flag here. Uh, the Dark Half, it's it's one of those things where he had a personal experience. Uh, he battled addiction with painkillers, um, uh, alcohol. I mean, any kind of narcotic you can think of. And then came out of it and said, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to use it and I'm going to go with it. And uh, I think, you know, you can look at the dark half and say, you know, that's that's one of those things that really makes him a great writer. So that's why it stands out. Uh, it's 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 I'm going to say quintessential um, iconic king uh, just because of of how it came to be. Uh, so the dark half. Uh, vote vote uh, the dark half. Um, now is, is I'm going to seem silly. Needful things is Randall Flag in Needful Things because I know that's the devil in Needful Things. No, he's I, not. I don't that's, that's, Flag. that's Leland Gaunt. Leland Gaunt. Leland that, Gaunt. That's right. Yeah, I did have to bring up Needful Things because I, I, you know, I forgot about it for a while, and I'm like, oh god damn it, Needful Things. I wanted to mention it, but I will be uh, voting for Randall Flag. And uh, Michael, well, I think Randall Flagg is one of King's most uh, interesting creations. I think he's one that's there's a reason he keeps popping up in all the other books because people love him, and there's a reason for that. He's charismatic, he's evil, but he's the, it, it's the attraction of evil that's the thing that gets with him. You know, you, you, that's why people are drawn to him, and that's why people are drawn to evil people throughout history. Um, but the dark half is an infinitely the, and I'm voting when I'm voting for the dark half from this point on. I'm voting for both the book and the movie together because I think, quite frankly, they're equal to each other. It's an infinitely more complex work than people give it credit for. I don't think it's one of King's uh, most celebrated novels, and that's a shame. And uh, I remember some months after I saw the film, I was driving down a road to my apartment, and this huge flock of sparrows took off from a tree and went flying across over the top of the car. And my first thought was, okay, somewhere nearby, there's a really awful, evil motherfucker writing one hell of a kick-ass novel. So I just, the fact that it could already trigger uh, a reaction to me just based on that the sparrows are flying bit uh, meant that the dark half had obviously worked its way into my subconscious a little bit. So I'm going with the dark half. Uh, Vote for the dark half. Uh, Paul. Uh, well, well, first off, Damon, since you seem to be the one in the rotation, next time you take the handoff from Josh, if you don't follow up with the pigs in space (laughs) to take advantage of the reverb. (laughs) I mean, it's gotta happen. Come on, man. Um, that, that said, yeah, Randall flag, very strong character, but I just, I've got more of an attachment to the dark half. Again, the film, the movie, um, flag is evil, but George Stark is pretty evil. And the best part of it is he's just got that direct flip side with the Beaumont character. Um, so dark half. A vote for the dark half and Lance. This, my friends, is what Geek Fights is all about. This is Randall Flagg versus George Stark, and this is evil versus evil. And the I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it this way. The difference in my mind between George Stark 
And the difference between Randall Flagg is that Randall Flagg is is very cunning. He's very intellectual. He thinks things through. He's always there, and he's always evil. George Stark is knee-jerk. Uh, he is the high-toned son of a bitch. He's, he's the fucking guy that you cut off in traffic, and he takes down your license plate, and three months later, he leaves a fucking dead kitten on your doorstep. He's an evil asshole, but he's knee-jerk, and he's very limited by that fact. Randall Flagg is eternal. He's always evil. He's always there. The fact that he was able to get Lloyd out of the prison in the stand just by simply willing him out of the prison, I mean, it just speaks volumes for the power that this guy has. I got to go with Randall Flagg. A vote for Randall Flagg. But the dark half is into the final four. On to our next fight. It is Pet Cemetery versus the Green Mile. And and for me, it, it's still got to be the Green Mile. And and I, and I I was speaking of not not you know hipping people to Jesus being black when when I was mentioning it's a Jesus story. It is literally a retelling. Of the crucifixion story, kind of, it's there. Uh, I mean, he he can heal people. He can take on, you know, he can heal the sick. Uh, he's taking on the sins of other people. Uh, they he has to be executed at the end because he has to be executed at the end. There's all kinds of just fucked up shit that happens in that movie, and you're watching it. You're like, there's nothing Jesusy about it, and then somebody says, no, it's Jesus. His name is John Coffey, JC. He dies for other people's sins. He can resurrect things from the dead. He's Jesus. He's the second coming. And, and it does blow people's fucking minds. And and for that reason alone, and the fact that it's a good story, I, I'm, I'm going to vote for the Green Mile. Michael? Oh, yeah, Green Mile is awesome. In Pet Cemetery. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I think the performance, out of, you know, the, the great performances in both these movies, the one that always stuck with me was Fred Gwynn from Pet Cemetery playing Judd because I always thought that accent was a bit of a put on. I just thought, come on, you know, so sometimes dead is better. You don't want to go down that road. You know, it's like, okay, <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, I loved it, but it was just like, well, that's a bit of a stretch. But then uh, about five years ago, I drove from Boston to uh, Northeast Harbor, Maine to see a friend. And uh, I'd never been to Maine before. And it's a beautiful state, but it's remote. I mean, to get to areas, I mean, it is fucking remote. It's beautiful, but you do feel like you have traveled to a whole other country up there. And at one point, I had to get off on a highway, the three highway, but it seemed to go off in two completely different directions. But it was labeled the same. I didn't know which way to go. So I'm at a McDonald's for breakfast. I go through the drive-thru, and the guy hands me the bag, and I ask him, I said, which way do I go on the three to get to Northeast Harbor? And what I heard was, well, if you want to go to Northeast Harbor, you're going to go up on the three west there. But if you want to go to Baja, well, you want to go up on the three left over there. But you're going to end up over there at Bangor, and you're going to go all the way to Portland. You don't want to go all the way to Portland. You want to make sure you go over the three west, because that's the way Northeast Harbor. It's a little bit close to Baja, but you'll get up there just fine. And I just looked at this guy, and I went, well, that's confirmed my suspicions I've been having for a long time that you people actually exist. You were of no help whatsoever. Please just give me my fucking egg McMuffin. And I left and I actually did end up picking the right way to go. But I was like, holy shit, if anything, Fred Gwynn undersold it. 
because they really, they there are people up there who really do talk like that, and I I guess I don't know why at the end of the day that just sticks with me more the whole main atmosphere that was present in Pet Cemetery as opposed to the one in the Green Mile although the Green Mile does a very wonderful job of it uh, Pet Cemetery is a, it's an emotional choice. Uh, vote for Pet Cemetery, Paul. Well, I I gotta go for kind of creepy in this. Um... I enjoy Green Mile, but Pet Cemetery, you know, it's got that sort of thing. It sets you on edge. I mean, it, it's an uncomfortable book to read. It's an uncomfortable movie to watch. I mean, from I mean, you know, little kids' caskets getting knocked off the stands in the church, and I mean, it's demonic children coming back. It's it's just messed up. And I think that he does a really good balance with just how twisted it is. And yeah, I think as Michael mentioned, the whole, it's a lost story. It's about how far people will go when pushed by, you know, whoever that is disappearing for their lives. And I think that balance, it represents him a little bit better than necessarily the green mile does so uh pet cemetery and fred gwynn i'll vote for pet cemetery that's right you will land <laughs> that's the first time i've ever heard space lincoln have a, a northeastern accent <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh wow it's kind of tough uh kind of tough um yeah pet pet cemetery is a brilliant book brilliant film uh, well, okay, not a brilliant film, but a pretty damn good movie. The book is just absolutely haunting, and um, the 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 ideas that he puts forth in that are just just amazing. And and again, who wouldn't do that? But Damon, you have absolutely opened my eyes. You've blown my mind when you have you you put this JC JC thing in 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 into play here. And this whole pod, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. The entire podcast, I've probably spent sixty percent of my my mental activity here thinking about the, the 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 similarities in the Christ story and John Coffee. And God, that made that has made me respect it even more. And and I've loved the Green Mile. And like I said, Comic Book Day, wait waiting for the new comics to come out every week, waiting for the new Green Mile book to come out every week. I gotta go with the Green Mile. A vote for the Green Mile. It is all tied up, and it comes down to you, Josh. Which one takes the win? I feel like being spiteful uh, after listening to Michael Felsher's uh, impersonation of people from Maine. Uh, I didn't say all. I did. I did not say all people from Maine. Oh, well, say, <laughs> you, you guys ought to come down to Texas sometime. I, I went to college. In, I went to college in Texas. And I'm from Maine, so uh, we we're all married to our cousins up here too. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be the asshole. Do am I echoing? Is that why you're making fun of me? No. Oh, okay. Um, I'm gonna be the asshole and ask the Green Mile out, but um, I don't know who it was. It was either Michael or Paul or or Lance. Um, made me think about Pet Cemetery in a, a different way. Um. You look at it as the, the kid who's completely innocent, uh, he gets hit by a truck and he's dead. And then they realize that he can be brought back to life. 
but it's not the brought back to life that they want or, or you would want. Um, it, it makes you think about, you know what, sometimes shit happens, but you can't go back because if you try, no matter how hard you try, it's just not going to be the same. And it's essentially a movie about having to get on with your life after something bad happens because, you know, frankly, you can't go back. It will never be the same. And that's like a horribly sad thing to think about that you can have your kid alive again, but he's not your kid um, or your pet for that matter. Uh, that's yeah, it's it's a pretty sad thing. Um, I'm going to go with Pet Cemetery. A vote for Pet Cemetery. Uh, yeah, Paul, you you destroyed me on that one when you shot at pigs in space. Pet Cemetery is into the final four. And for the last spot in the final four, Michael, this one is yours. It is, wow, that's a fucked up matchup. It is, stand, it is Stand By Me versus Shawshank Redemption. Ow. Ow. This hurts. This is not a good one. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to play anymore. <laughs> no. No. Um, basically, out of the... This is our entry for nice Stephen King. Um, we got The Shining and The Dark Half and Pet Cemetery. So the nice Stephen King is going to have to make an appearance here. Oh, shit. Um, uh, fuck. This sucks because they're both such great films and both. I, oh. All right. The one it's going to come down to for me is. I saw both in the theaters. The audiences loved both. But there was a moment where Morgan Freeman is sitting in front of the parole board for like the third or fourth time near the end of the picture. He has completely given up hope. There is not one ounce left of hope in this man. Not that there had been much to begin with, but Andy's gone. There's really nothing left for him to look forward to anymore. He doesn't even give a shit about getting out. He's half past giving a shit. And the, uh, the parole board asks him, you know, do you feel you've been rehabilitated? And Morgan Freeman delivers one of the finest bits of acting I've ever seen any actor give. You just see a man who's resigned his fate, doesn't even want to pretend for these people. I don't give a shit. Uh, I'm an old man now. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, what? Com- I don't care what you think of me anymore. It's, it's, I'm not the person that killed that, you know, did whatever I did back when I was, you know, a kid. But, I, you know, I just don't care. So just you know, let me go back to what I was doing. And when the stamp comes down and you see his parole has been approved, the audience I was with, because it was a preview audience and it was packed, the audience lost their shit. It was like the their home team had just won the Super Bowl. I mean, people were flipping the fuck out. It was like a personal victory for everyone in that audience. And I, I have not had quite a moment like that in another film where people were so invested in this guy that it felt like their own relative just got paroled out of prison. So as much as I love stand by me, Shawshank Redemption has to get it here. A vote for Shawshank Redemption, Paul. Uh, Michael, those are, that's excellent points about that whole sequence in Shawshank. Um, My, my thought is, Morgan Freeman is an amazing actor, and he he made that scene. 
I don't think if he were in that part, it would be. Um, and I'm not trying to say it's an actor issue. Uh, and the actor shouldn't matter because I'm going to go back to actors in a second. But when you look at Stand By Me, the folks that they got to play that, the bit about Gordy's, when Gordy's talking about his brother Denny, and when River Phoenix is, you know, laying into Gordy about giving into, you know, what a shit his dad is and not to let his dad define him and everything else. And even when, um, not Jerry O'Connell, um, I'm about, the, for, the fourth guy, River, uh, no, the fourth guy. Um, River Phoenix? Corey no, Feldman. When Corey Feldman is going off on Milo the junk man about how he, despite whatever his dad did to him, he fucking stormed the beaches at Normandy and was a hero because of that. I mean, the performance, those guys were kids and they were turning out performances like that. And I think that's why they resonate with me a little bit more than uh, what happens in Shawshank. Um, so, uh, I, I'm going to have to go against it a third time, I guess, but stand by me. Stand by me. Lance. Wow. <laughs> wow. Very, very compelling arguments on both sides. I mean, I I really don't have any idea which way to go on this one. <sighs> Can I vote for King Tut's asshole? No. Okay. Shawshank. Uh, vote for Shawshank Redemption. Josh, uh, you know I I have a friend who says whenever he sees Shawshank on TV, like the next couple hours are ruined for him because he has to watch it. Um, and when I see Stand by Me on TV, you know I get locked in and and I've got to watch it. So for me, it's Stand by Me. A uh, vote for Stand by Me. Pigs in space. What's the pigs in space thing? All about? It's the um, echo. It's the echo. There's an echo coming from your microphone. Really? Yeah. Well, not right now, but Somebody when you're not talking. You. Yeah, when yeah. you're not talking, we can hear ourselves. So. Yeah, but I shut it off after I'm done. So. Yeah. Once you shut it off, there's no pigs in space. See, no pigs in I'm space. Sh- shutting it off right now. See, no pigs in space now. But um, it's all tied up. Comes down to me. And stay, these are both fabulous films, fabulous stories, blah, 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 yakety schmackety. Let's look at the TV guide. I'm, I'm, I'm not even joking. So we already know that Shawshank Redemption is playing on Saturday at four in the afternoon. Now, Stand By Me, which I know is in rotation right now, is on before that. I will be voting for Stand By Me. Let's see. Stand By Me. There it is. Next showing is tomorrow at 11.40 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) It's come down to this. Uh, Well, they are... That's that's kind of lame. (laughs) You you know what, Michael? You're absolutely right. Because I was hoping it wouldn't come on that early. (laughs) Because I really do want to vote for Shawshank. Uh, Because Shawshank, unlike any of the other stories is a story of uh, redemption. It's about redemption and joy. That's what this movie ends on. That's what the story ends on. Uh, almost everything else that Stephen King almost ever does kind of has a, a, a melancholy ending, 
you know, sometimes they're happy, sometimes they're they're sad, but there's never as much joy as I feel at the end of Shawshank Redemption. And it's earned. You earn every second of it. And my favorite part is the two guys who haven't seen each other for a few years because, you know, Andy had broke out of prison and, you know, Red is coming up the beach and they wave and you never see, at least in the movie, you don't see them meet because you don't have to. The story is ended with him being there and everything was okay. And and that's why I like Shawshank Redemption. It's because, don't get me wrong, Stand By Me is fucking fabulous. I, I really wish it wasn't playing tomorrow at 11.40 in the morning. Uh, but yeah, I, I've still, I've still got to vote. I've still got to go, go with Shawshank Redemption. I love the shit out of it. So Shawshank Redemption is in the final spot in the final four. We've got The Shining versus Dark Half and Pet Cemetery versus Shawshank Redemption. Paul, this fight is yours. Shining versus Dark Half. Hmm. It, this is definitely tough. I mean, between, again, uh, written material and the film version, not getting into, you know, how closely they follow the books or movies were great, books were great. Um... Wow. I I like the personal aspect that the dark half has. But then again, the shining, he he's writing it's it, it's a writer also. And I sort of like the descent into madness aspect of the shining as opposed to the sort of magical pseudonym coming to life of the dark half. Um a little bit more. I think that fits a little better. Um, and I think the shining just ends up being so, it's just so much more of a claustrophobic story. Like you, as you go through it, either the film or the book, I mean, you can just sort of feel the walls coming in tighter and tighter and tighter as it goes. And the dark half, you know, the dark half, it almost relies on violence a little bit more than the shining does. It tries to shock. Whereas the shining just sort of creeps and creeps and creeps. And that's why I think the dark half might actually be, be a little bit of an easier story than the shining. So shining it is a uh, vote for the shining Lance. Yeah, that's uh, very, very well put. And I think I'm going to uh, to agree and also vote for The Shining. I think The Shining is a lot more of a slow burn. And actually, if you, whether you're talking about the, the uh, film or the book, The Shining is it, it, it really gets you there little by little. And I think that kind of adds to the claustrophobic feeling and that kind of adds to the to the overall horror. So I'm going to go with The Shining. Another vote for The Shining. Josh. Uh, I'm going to go with The Shining and I'm going to leave it at that because I'm going to, I have one final thing to say about it and I don't want to waste it right now because it's obvious that it's going to be moving on. Uh, another vote for The Shining. Oh, hey, Pigs in Space is done. Ooh. I put headphones on. Oh, man. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I will vote for The Dark Half so The Shining doesn't have a clean sweep. Michael? Yeah, I at this point, it's it's kind of weird because we're we're saying this is the best of Stephen King. At this point, The Shining, the book, and Kubrick's movie have become so so joined together in the public consciousness 
the Here's Johnny and the Room 237, and there's this whole other movie that's coming out called Room 237 that's all about people's interpretations of all the hidden meaning of Kubrick's movie. Is it more the movie or the novel that has endured more? I don't know. It's, it's, it's blended together so well over the 30 years, I don't know which really has entered the public consciousness more. And I mean, at the end of the day, as great a book as The Shining is, and I know it's not as heralded for you know obvious reasons, I suppose, but the dark half novel and the dark half movie are very close and yet very separate works. But at the same time, I would never call the dark half uh, a, a, a tonal, you know, different kind of thing than what the, what the book was. It's very faithful, yet it has George Romero's uh, style and, and his, his, his approach to filmmaking all over it. But it's very quintessentially King, whereas Kubrick's movie is not. And yet I think it's almost impossible to separate those two. So if The Shining wins this, is it really winning because it's Stephen King? Or is it really winning because of Stanley Kubrick's The Shining? I don't know. I don't know. It's that, that's hard for me to, to reconcile. So I'm I'm going to go with the thing that I think is more pure Stephen King of these two at the moment, and that's the dark half. A vote for the dark half, but the shining is into the finals. On to our next fight, Lance. This one is yours. It is Pet Cemetery versus Shawshank Redemption. Okay, this this is one that uh, is actually going to be pretty easy for me. As much as I love Pet Cemetery, and don't get me wrong, I love Pet Cemetery. Fantastic uh, novel, really good movie. Um, it, it says a lot. I mean, if you think about it, it really says a lot, and it, and it hit and it hits you on the level that any person in the world, if they had a chance to bring back someone innocent that they love, who's to say it's not the right thing to do? I mean, you. You could not make that call until you were actually there. And, yeah, it's obviously it's going to go wrong at the end because, you know, whether you believe in God or you don't believe in God, nature, God, whatever, has a reason for, you know, people dying and, and, and no longer being on the planet. Um, we may not understand it, but there's a reason for it. So Pet Cemetery is a masterwork. It's, it's a fantastic novel. One of my favorites. No doubt about it. But... Shawshank Redemption is a relatively minor short story that it was named differently, Rita Hayworth and the, and the Shawshank Redemption, that came out in a, you know, it, it, I, I guess he originally had published it in a magazine, in a serialized, I, I think it came out in, in two or three serialized uh, episodes in a magazine, and then finally he put it into a collection of short stories. So, you know, kind of a minor thing, you know, just sort of something he was writing to make a little extra money. But what they have done with the Shawshank, particularly with the film and what and what has been done to push it into, uh, you know, like Damon was saying, it's on, you know, 17,000 times in the next 24 hours on X number of, uh, of networks because it's that good of a movie. And it, it's just a really, really close very good adaptation of an extremely good short story that I feel deserves to be in the final. So I am going to vote for the Shawshank Redemption. A uh, vote for Shawshank, uh, Josh. Uh, gosh, you know both both take place in Maine. Um, 
I think I've said, I think I've gotten everything I can get out of Pet Cemetery. I can't go any deeper. Um, but you could look at the two and say that they're both instances of, of, you know, shit happens. Like sometimes, you know, bad things happen. Um, and in Pet Cemetery, they, you know, they kind of go against nature and it doesn't really work out. And in, in Shawshank, you know, shit happens to him and, and he makes the best out of it. And he kind of, you know, he rises above it. And, you know, in the end, you know, he wins because he's, he's strong. Um, it, without regardless, it's going to be the Shawshank. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so much better. Shawshank. A vote for Shawshank Redemption. And for those of you that, that had a keen ear, I think we, we heard Jack for just a second crying. Just a second. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I can't really vote for Pet Cemetery, but it is best of Stephen King, and a lot of what we think of as Stephen uh, of Shawshank Redemption comes from Darabont. So I normally wouldn't vote for Pet Cemetery. If this was just best movie, yeah, it's Shawshank Redemption hands down. But it's not just best movie; it's best of Stephen King, and uh, Pet Stem- Cemetery is way more Stephen King. I think of Stephen King when I think of Pet Cemetery. Most people still to this day don't know that Shawshank Redemption was a Stephen King short story. Uh, so I'm going to go with Pet Cemetery. Michael? Uh, mm, oh, yeah, two very different sides of King here, obviously. And that's, you know, I, I don't know. If, I don't think you really can compare them. Um, but, you know, the uh, format is what it is. So I, I'm going to have to. Uh, uh, yeah, Shawshank Redemption. A uh, vote for Shawshank and Paul. Uh, I, I believe at this point it's irrelevant, but um, yeah, I kind of agree um, with sort of what you said. I know I'm I'm sort of reversing myself on possibly in The Shining, but uh, from what you said, Damon, people don't know this. All they all they know is the movie, and much fewer people know that it's a short story of Stephen King's. When it comes to, I guess, warmer, fuzzier Stephen King, like the human stories, it, it's just not my favorite. I like Stand by Me more. I like, uh, actually, even honestly, Dolores Claiborne. I think could have been on this list. It's it's a great story, and the movie I think is. Excellent. Kathy Bates does another great turn in that. Um, so when it comes to that side of uh, King's work, those are the sort of things that I I gravitate to quicker than Shawshank. Um, so I, I am going to go with Pet Cemetery for the hell of it. A vote for Pet Cemetery, but Shawshank Redemption is into the finals. We've got The Shining versus Shawshank Redemption. Josh, that one is yours. Uh, it's it's interesting that we have two uh, novels or a short story and a novel, and they were made into movies. And you have a little bit of Stephen King, and you have a little bit of someone else. And it's kind of been twisted to where you know you look at them and you kind of can't you know you can tell where the influence comes from, but it's 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 a collaboration in that sense. If I'm going with movies. The Shawshank Redemption is a better movie than The Shining. When I saw The Shining, all I saw was Jack Nicholson. 
uh, I didn't really think he was great. I think it was over the top. Um, I look at the Shawshank Redemption and I think, you know, it's, you know, it sucks. Here's a guy who shouldn't be in jail and he's in jail and he's being treated like shit. And, you know, that's, I mean, that's, if you think about that, that would be a horrible place to be. Um, but at the heart of the shining, um, and I think, I think Michael's right. I think a lot of people see, you know, Jack Nicholson breaking down a, a door with an ax and all that other stuff. Um, what it comes down to is you've got a kid and he's got a father and he's an alcoholic. And if I didn't grow up this way, uh, I didn't fear my parents, but to me, that's probably one of the most frightening things that could happen to someone or uh, more, uh, more to the point, a child is that you never know who you're going to get. You know, are you going to get the mean dad or are you going to get the good dad? And I think if you're looking at, you know, Stephen King kind of hitting home uh, with an emotion, uh, you know, that's that really does it. You know, a, a kid shouldn't have to be afraid of their parents, but, you know, really, really the child in, in, in the novel is. Um, so if we're looking at it as something that can can really you know, people can relate to, um, something that's scary, um, something that if you didn't experience it, when you think about it, it it is a scary thing. Then, uh, the shining, uh, for me has to take it, uh, when you get down to the meat, it's got, it's got more meat on its bones, despite, um, being glamorized with a movie and everybody knowing Jack and, and all that stuff. So, uh, it's the shining. Uh, vote for The Shining. Michael. Um, yeah, we're, we're, again, we are dealing with two things here that have been where the movies arguably have become what is, you know, what has made them pop culture icons or what has made them what they are today. Uh, and that's not to disparage the source material, but that's just the way the movies go sometimes. And obviously, so if both of them are equal on that front, how much of Stephen King survives from one to the other? And I guess I kind of have to look at it this way. Uh, the Shining, the setting, the names of the characters, and some of the basic plot points are very much the same from book to movie. But Kubrick wasn't interested in the themes that King was interested in exploring. Um, and he took that sort he took that novel and said, okay, that's great. I like this. I like this. I like this Threw the rest aside and went and made his own movie. God bless him. It's an amazing film. And there is Stephen King in there, but it is very much Stanley Kubrick's the shining. I don't think for a se- really, and I can understand why Stephen King was dissatisfied with the movie because it's not his book. It really is not his book. The Shawshank Redemption, Frank Darabont took a short story, or novella, made some very obvious changes to it. But the thing is, if you go back and read Read or Her With in the Shawshank Redemption, that is the Shawshank Redemption. It is very much the seeds that King planted sprouted forth and with the ad that when the care and the, the, the watering and then and then all the elements and the care that brought that Darabont brought to it, it's still Stephen King's story just given a larger life in a different form. It's still quintessentially Stephen King. And it's interesting to note 
the character of Red that Morgan Freeman plays wasn't written for a black man. He was written to be an Irish guy. That's why he's called Red. In fact, there's a line in the movie taken directly from the short story says, why do they call you Red? And the reply is, well, maybe it's because I'm Irish. Well, in the book, or the novella, he is Irish. But it turns into a funny joke in the movie because he's not Irish, but it doesn't matter. It's still essentially the same character. And I think the Shawshank Redemption is more faithfully King. And it's also just as scary in its own way, because what's more terrifying than being put in prison and subjected to the horrors of prison life, which the movie does not shy away from for something you didn't do. Having your whole life taken from you little by little because of a mistake, because of what someone else did. And by, and that's the Andy side of the character. And whereas red made one mistake and has paid for it the whole rest of his life and has completely lost his will to even imagine what it would like to be a free man. And it's only by being meeting Andy that he rediscovers it and almost loses it again. I mean, that's to me, that is about as King as it gets. So for me, when you're all said and done, it has to be the Shawshank Redemption. Paul? Well, <laughs> I, I've basically mentioned everything, my feelings about the Shawshank Redemption already. Again, it's great. The Shining is great. When I think of Stephen King, I don't necessarily think of Shawshank as good as it is I want something and granted he, he's he's gone across the spectrum so many times from these very human stories to these very again just straight up horror stories but when it comes down to scary and that, that that's what I think of when I think of Stephen King is something that scares you and yes realistically the horrors of being jailed among rapist murderers and God knows what for something you didn't do is pretty scary. And I mean, you would never want it to happen to you, but there, again, there's something about that shut in, you know, lodge in the woods with a lunatic that is just that much more viscerally scary. I mean, intellectually, you know that probably you're more likely to go to jail than you are to end up at a, a cabin in the woods with some lunatic. But that doesn't make it any less frightening. And that's what I want from a Stephen King story, and that's what I go to. So I have to side with The Shining. Uh, vote for The Shining. And me going here, fish, 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 was definitely a vote for Shawshank, which ties it all up. And, uh, well, it, it, it comes down to you there, Lance. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> as, as disappointed as I am that the stand is not in this battle, <clears throat> and as disappointed as I am that the stand didn't make it out of the first round, the more I think about it, the more beautiful this is. Th this, this really literally is two sides of the king coin. This is the human story. This is the short story. This is the, you know, the feel good versus the shocking, horrible, um, alcoholic, um, cruel, evil, 
you know, frightening part of Stephen King. And I, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go OG here. And I'm going to have to go with the original piece of horror that brought me into this community that made me a geek, that made me a horror fan when I was 10 years old and vote for The Shining. So I believe The Shining is uh, is going to get my vote. And The Shining is the best of Stephen King, but as always, we are wrong. It was definitely Sleepwalkers. Um, <laughs> thanks, no, it was Ken. that Batman intro. Oh, no. the back row intro was at least on the list. Sleepwalkers wasn't even on the list. That's a horrible movie. <laughs> um, thanks again for listening. Does anybody have anything they'd like to plug? Uh, Josh? Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, it's not as much of a plug as is more of a shout out. But um, yeah, uh, last week we had uh, a little boy and he was nine pounds, six ounces, and he was two weeks over. And my wife was in the hospital uh, for three days trying to induce her. And she went through a lot of horrible things. Um, and I realized exactly how tough she is and probably my mother was and all the other women who actually gave birth to us. Um, and you don't really know it till you see it. So uh, I'm giving her a shout out. Um, she is tough and I appreciate what she has done. What is your wife's name? Oh, Sarah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know you're sleep deprived. But yes, hey, Sarah. you got me out of changing some diapers, though. Really? Oh, I yeah. Heard three it, I hours. Heard... In three heard... hours, he can drop like two loads. So, <laughs> yeah, easily. <laughs> I, 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 I heard him crying just a little while ago. Uh, Lance, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Yeah, I want. I do want to give a shout out to a couple of real good guys that do a, an outstanding uh, movie podcast. It's a Joe Blow movie podcast. They also have Arrow in the Head, which is a which is a podcast that deals specifically with horror and action films. Um, but 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 I do want to I do want to shout out to Joe Blow podcast, and you can find it at www.joblo.com. Johnny Moreno and Jim Law are the two guys that do the show. And if you have any interest whatsoever in the new films that are coming out and getting uh, really good TV updates on shows like Game of Thrones, Walking Dead, that kind of stuff, uh, it, it's it's a hell of a uh, hell of a podcast to listen to every week. So I, I definitely shout out to Joe Blow. Thank you very much, there, Lance. Uh, Paul. Well, I've recently gone back to school, so my online presence is at a minimum. I have nothing to plug, though. I wish everybody well. No wine this time? No, no wine this time. Oh, I take that back. Not wine. If, uh, if you find anything uh, from the Shorts Brewery in your stores, it is well worth your purchase price. All right. Beer. Uh, Mr. Felsher, anything from you? Um, yeah, I, guess I would just like to say today as we record this... Uh, Penn State coach Jerry Sandusky was sentenced to 30 years <laughs> prison for uh, all the horrible things he did. And so I would just like to say, uh, speak out officially against the act of raping kids. I just think it's not a good idea. <laughs> just don't do it. Just don't do it. There's really no upside Stay to it. Up. It's just a really mean, nasty, fucking inhuman thing to do. And if you do it and you get caught, you're going to go to fucking prison and then get ass raped. By a bunch of people there too. So just you know what, don't do it. 
just it's just it's a bad call, people. Just 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 fucking avoid it if you can, okay? The fact that you said there's no upside to it is fucking horrible, Michael. There is no upside. You're there right. is no upside to it. I know, but it's creepy. Uh, check out our friends, DVDGeeks.tv, Subspace Communicating, their awesome podcast, Life After Trek. Bye Bye Robots, The Rock for File Files, Inappropriate Conversations, uh, and Inappropriate Conversations. Also, give a listen to The Soulless Minions of Orthodoxy, Commentary Track Stars, and uh, a mission. Was Star Trek. What is it? Oh, yeah, Mission Log. Uh, Roddenberry podcast. Special thanks going for Ka- Ghost Karen for being our web presence. Check out what she's doing on the Geek Fights Tumblr. And Chris Mitchell created Geek Fights Wikia with uh, and check it out. Christy woke up, flesh it out. You can play on there too. Put up whatever you like. Uh, we, we we really don't check it very often. Uh, who could forget Mister Formby and his amazing intros? Check him out at www.heystartrek.com. Mr. Ortiz. You can find me on the Week in Geek video show on YouTube, where we preview new comics every week. Uh, you can check us out at geekfights.net, where we have lists of show ideas, the brackets we mentioned earlier, our past episodes, links to our wiki, our Facebook page, and to our Tumblr. That was totally pre-recorded. I'm not even joking. I just played that. He's totally asleep. <laughs> Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and the Zoom Network, or like us on Facebook. If you'd like to be on the panel, just contact us at geekfights at gmail.com or on Facebook or Twitter. Just look for Geek Fights or follow the links on our website. Still, still, just cut it out of a different episode. That's all it takes to join the Legion of Geeks. Uh, Our last fight of the month for October is Best Monster Movie. And after that, we're going to switch it up completely and go with Best TV Theme Song. Any and all ideas are welcome. Uh, Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Keep fighting the geek fight. Good night. Gaunt? Under the alcohol with the steamboats Ancient goblins and wild oats Come at the grand light making a sound The smell of death is on the rail and at night when the cold wind blows No one cares, nobody knows I don't want to be buried In a big cemetery I don't want to live my life again I don't want to be buried In a big cemetery Addicted to the sacred place To see a dream I can't escape Molders and fangs that are picking up bones Spirits moaning among the tombstones And at night when the moon is bright Someone cries something in right I don't want to be buried In a fat cemetery
to this I curse these days And I'm not when the wolves cry Listen close then you can hear me shout I don't wanna be buried In a big cemetery I don't want to live my life again I don't wanna be buried It, what 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 truly sucks is that this whole conversation uh, never hears the light of day because it is all so horrible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's but it, it's so funny. <laughs> it it'll be on the special edition release of the Blu-ray, right? Nope. Yeah, after we're all dead, <laughs> the, dire- the director. The director. Oh yeah, there uh, there is stuff. There's a lot of stuff that that doesn't even make the outtake real because it's like no. No. This is not. Horrible. This is not going to be. Uh, this is not going to be put out there for posterity. Oh, if that stuff went out there, we would get a hell of a lot more listeners. I'll say that much. You know but, what? Uh, we should totally do a Mark Twain. Ooh, like post stuff on the website that won't post it for until a hundred years later. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? I would so love to see that. Well, I'd be dead. So well, that'll be our, actually our last episode. <laughs> will <Yeah>. be. <laughs> Everything we didn't want you to hear before. I still have all the raw recordings. Yeah, I know. So I have uh, quite a few of them, too. So, uh, yeah, that's... It would, uh, it, would, it would melt people's brains. Not really. We oh, it, Well, now that I know we can do... We might as well stockpile <laughs> shit. I'm just going to start saying all sorts of horrible shit at the end of episodes randomly for no reason. Wait, 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 wait. When haven't you started? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're going to uncensor yourself? You call it the penny gadget a cunt. <laughs> in like your fourth episode, I called a fictional character a cunt. Yeah, and, ooh, that's really that's really. And then, oh my god, you, you were ready to go to war on somebody's wife, depending on which version of the fog she bought. <laughs> it matters. <laughs> which one was Adrian Barbeau in it? If you've seen the remake and the original, you know what I'm talking about. I do know what you're talking about. Just, I would never be well, then you should have just answered the question and not give me some <laughs> shit about it. Josh, Hands eater cunt. 